Hi, and welcome to All This in the Oscars 2, AwardsDaily.com's podcast on the Oscar race. We're closing out the 19, or the 2020 season um, after the 92nd Oscars, and we're here with Clarence Moy and Ryan Adams, the editors of the site. Hi, guys. Hey hello. there. Hello. Hello. <laughs> hello. hello. You're tripping up on uh, 1917 there. <laughs> I was. I was tripping up on that wonderful movie that did not win Best Picture. <laughs> that's no. okay. That's okay. It's actually better So many off. movies that we love this year that didn't win Best Picture. There's uh, mm-hmm. four movies that we love this year that didn't win. Yeah. I was hoping for a little more wealth spreading, but it's okay. It turned out the way it did. So we're, we're just going to start by talking about um, Clarence spent uh, this season at the Golden Globes and at the Oscars. So he was in the press room and I was actually in the in the theater. And I can tell you some stories about going to the Oscars and Clarence, you can t- tell some stories. But we're just going to start really quickly with um, the big surprise that Parasite won um, screenplay, international film, director, and picture. It just left everything in the dust. Um, and the Academy was very happy with that. They got great headlines and a great bump of image afterwards. And um, Bong Joon-ho was happy. We would have been happy with just a screenplay award. He didn't really seem to want <laughs> to win everything, but he was, he was happy enough, and he's really happy he's gone back home because he gets to see his puppy. Right, so, um, which he kept saying he wanted to see his puppy. So he basically blew through the season, won everything, and um, and it's great because he's a guy who, unlike a lot of the filmmakers here, he's been making movies for 20 years, since 2000, mm. and he's really honed his craft, and he actually made what you could call a masterpiece, which is he's a master, and he made a film that is actually the best film he's ever made. So the Academy decided... And that's saying... And that's saying something, considering that he's made memories of murder and mother and Okja and uh, and uh, Snowpiercer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those are all great, fantastic, genius movies. So to be to surpass all of that, he yeah, I don't think something. anymore that that the Hollywood film industry really cares all that much about winning Best Picture because they don't really seem to invest too much in it. And I don't think that they, the studios. Um, are willing to go where a lot of um, foreign countries are willing to go with their filmmakers, supporting their filmmakers and their artists and and encouraging, you know, kind of brave storytelling. And they have a much more broad view um, over there in Korea to make these movies that are just so great. We don't have that in America. We just have a very kind of rigid system that is dependent on opening box office and the star system and um, mm-hmm. And lately it's becoming much more about pre-awareness and sequels and stuff. And so if there's any upside, I think, to other than what you are all very happy that it won, but the upside that I can see is that maybe it'll encourage people to be a little bit more daring with their storytelling. Although I just don't know if that's even possible considering the differences between living in America and living anywhere else. I just don't know if right. it's... We've always said how how it doesn't seem like it used to be in the '70s that a lot of movies that had real, that were really dark were were nominated yeah. and won Best Picture, but that stopped in the '80s and the '90s. And almost yeah. nowadays, you almost have to have an upbeat movie in order to win Best Picture. And then a Parasite comes right. along; it's just dark as hell. It's just dark, dark as, as hell dark can and be. Violent. And 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 people eat, just eat it up. They love it. Another thing about the Korean film industry that a lot of people are aware of is that from the early 70s until 1996 
they were un- under st- such strict censorship and control that the Korean films that came out were almost like propaganda. Mm. They were actually there's a word for it. I can't put my I can't think of it right now. But they there was it was mockingly called a certain thing in Korea that they were like government government uh, uh, sanctioned movies is what it amounted to. But suddenly they lifted those those restrictions in 1997, literally mm. in 1997, and the entire. North Korean film, South Korean film industry just exploded with the freedom that they suddenly had. All wow. these stories they've been dying to tell for 30 or 40 years, they were finally able to escape the censorship and tell these dark stories. And that's when the uh, South Korean film industry just, be- it was a renaissance. It was absolutely mm-hmm. a renaissance after the dark ages. Yeah. And so for the past 20 years, it's been this, all of these directors and films coming out of South Korea have just been amazing. And yeah, then, no, for sure. And this one is yeah. especially so. And look, Bong Joon-ho broke records. He's the first filmmaker since 1955 to win the Palme d'Or and the Oscar for Best Picture. The last one was Marty. Um, and uh, and he won. They were the first uh, film to win the um, Ace Editors Award and the Screen Actors Guild. And then, of course, to win Best Director and best picture and best screenplay so it's a it's a big thing for us i don't know (laughs) there was a video circulating on youtube mocking this um variety reporter for talking to bong joon ho and saying you know how does it feel to be a star in america (laughs) like (laughs) and all of these koreans on on twitter were, were mocking him and making so much fun of the fact that oh my god americans think they're the center of the universe like he would care you don't think korea is as good as right another another really embarrassing video that was making the round is that red carpet person who says that's the one oh is that the one she says why did you decide to make your movie in korean Oh, Why did you oh, decide no, to make a Korean one. language movie? Oh, she no, asked him. Yeah. It's like, oh, what? <laughs> Are you insane? No, and the, oh and my the, gosh! They were just laughing. So I was like, I think like twenty million people had seen this. <laughs> Poor oh guy. my gosh! And his comment was something like, you know, how does it feel to be so? And, and this idea that it's true that Americans really do think that we're the center of the universe, you know, and and uh, and they just don't think that in other countries, but especially not with with movies. And so, if if Bong Joon-ho does anything, I hope that he gives studios more confidence to invest in films like that. You know, when, when profit is the bottom line, you're just never going to make great movies, you know. But I All think right. that, that a lot of American and, you know, British and studio system movies this year were, were exceptional compared to other years. It was just mm-hmm. a really strong year. Um, and and uh, studios, I think, underestimate the public's appetite for dark movies. Obviously, they didn't have much faith in Joker. They didn't put a lot behind it except making available all of the top talent in Hollywood to Todd Phillips that he wanted because it was part of the franchise and Warner Brothers has the ability to just give him anything he wants. But it didn't cost that much. And I don't think anybody, even at Warner Brothers, knew what they had on their hands. But they, they probably thought, oh, shit, what have we done when they saw it and saw that it was so dark? But people just, just devoured that just. So we're just they yeah. were just starving for it, you know, so Parasite I think that people, has made about 30 million. So it's not exactly lighting the world on fire here, but it's made 70 right. million in South Korea. One thing that I've noticed from looking at international box office, which I didn't used to do and still really don't do that much. But mm-hmm. I've noticed that the two biggest markets are China and South Korea and China really and North and South Korea also both have their own um, thriving film industries 
where, uh-huh. you know, people actually pay to go see the movies, you know. Right. And China is actually, their own movies are kind of, surpa- the big fear in Hollywood right now is that, that the movies in China that they make are surpassing the American import films. And, and that's really scary to people in Hollywood. If you look at box office for international, you'll always see the two countries, um, South Korea and China, are the main money makers for Hollywood. So I bet you that on some level, that also kind of got through that that message mm-hmm. of like we're going to have this harmonious relationship with South Korea because they're such a profitable country for us. You know, but China uh-huh. is almost more profitable than the U.S. for movies. Actually, I didn't I even realize that, but I we, we have noticed. I think we've remarked on past podcasts the fact that it's kind of funny that in, even in movies like Gravity, they make sure to put. They put in a, a, mm-hmm. uh, was it a rival tomb, maybe. I don't forget what. No, other, it was uh, the other movies, Make sure to put like Chinese aspects into the movie. The Martian. You know, you put a Chinese yeah. a Chinese scene or two into the movie mm-hmm. just to appeal to the to the. And that never used to happen before. You know, American yeah. movies never bothered to put another country into the movie. And one of the reasons that. that Mad Max um, didn't make money is because they wouldn't open it in China. Um, then because they didn't right. like the message, the revolutionary message, so it didn't ever get that 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 lucre. Mm, and right. um, but yeah. but I I'm hoping to see I want to see and I hope that I see Parasite make 60 70 80 million dollars here like that's what I'm hoping to see because not because I think Bong Joon-ho cares one way or the other if he's a success here but for my sake I would like to see that because I I don't always like it when a movie wins best picture and doesn't make any money because that means nobody saw it and that means what is it it's like just right. an insular academy thing you know well I don't think it's going to do that because it's already streaming Oh right, right, right. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. They released it too early. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Anyway, so um so we were just I'll just do this really quickly, Ryan. Um just just to clarify for some readers on the site where I said that I thought we should get rid of the foreign language category. I really didn't mean it. I was just sort of ruminating on what we could possibly do in the future if cinema becomes more global. And is it an antiquated? And, and Ryan dis- disagrees with me, and he values the foreign language, and he would never want it to be gotten rid of. So that's all we're going to say, and we're going to move on. <laughs> to all right. Be, let it be known that we've had <laughs> extensive discussions about this offline, <laughs> off the record. So if anybody ever wonders, stop asking me, please. Don't you ever disagree with Sasha? Believe me, sometimes we do disagree we for do. days at a time. We just, so, we just but, know but that we, we don't. We didn't really even disagree about this. We we can, we realized the common ground that we shared about it, yeah. and that I was misunderstanding a little bit of Sasha's stance, and she misunderstood a little bit of mine. And that we really, neither one of us are so adamant about what we say sometimes. Yeah. We just say things offhandedly. And um, and I, it, I, I, I worry and fret about that sometimes because I, I don't want to spend a week <laughs> trying to trying to step, step trying to wipe the poo off of our shoes that we accidentally step into <laughs> but that doesn't matter it's not important yeah. we we don't it's I, no big I, deal I, I will fully admit that I sometimes say really stupid things I sometimes say provocative things I sometimes you know like to poke the the beehive just to to watch the, you know there is a part of me that does that but I just want you to know that when I say they should get rid of the forum I don't mean it that's how I personally feel all I'm saying is what how are is Hollywood and the Oscars going to address this global cinema that, that it's becoming? I don't know how long they can keep a category that, that seems so antiquated. On the other hand, it, it really is good for um, the Oscars and it's good for the countries that submit the films. Like some of these movies come from countries where it's a huge honor 
that their first like from South Korea is one of them where this is um, Parasite was the first movie from South Korea to be chosen for for this and and for some of them the sad war torn countries to have a movie in the Oscars is a really big deal you know yeah and so that's worth there, keeping for that you know there are definite changes that ought to be made to the foreign language to many of the categories but we can think of fixes that can be made to the foreign language category for me personally I think it's kind of silly that the country gets to keep the Oscar of mm. the if the film wins best foreign language film then the director doesn't get to keep it and yeah. the producer doesn't get to keep it but it goes to how, how about if the coen brothers won for but no country for old men and holly and the white house calls up and says yeah that's really congratulations now send us your oscar because that's exactly. not your movie that's america's movie so we get to keep the and Oscars so i think the white house. That, that's another thing i think is weird about it that it is that yeah. I, I find that to be strange but but I think and that it, that's one more, of the, it does more positive of, than it does negative. But I, mm -hmm. I do think that in the coming years that, that that's going to be re, they're going to rethink that in some fashion. I just don't know what the answer is. You know, I don't I mean, one of your one of your followers. He doesn't follow me on Twitter. I wish he would because he's kind of smart and looks interesting. His name is Santiago Cordero. He said to you about three hours ago on Twitter, he agrees that there needs to be some sort of fix. He says, how about. If an international picture wins best picture, then the runner up in the best international film gets gets the prize. Oscar, yeah. the runner up, you know, and that's that's maybe not I, I, I think an my, ideal. I think what I like better fix, is, but it's I like better the idea that you can have an alternate, so the country doesn't get hurt by it, right? So so if you yeah. have Parasite and and maybe the country decides, maybe like Korea decides, you know, we want you know, to compete in, they'll never do this, by the way, this is just all pointless, because know, nobody's right. ever going to make this decision, no. but, but like, for instance, with Les Miserables and Portrait of a Lady on Fire, you know how there's always this conflict between, well, what if one was accepted as best picture, and then they said, okay, well, here's the alternate Portrait of a Lady on Fire, then both of those movies get in, right. and then the, yeah. if it's the country that wins the Oscar anyway, maybe they're taking an excellent movie, and they're taking their chances, and but then they're not going to do that because they're like, well, we got a winner with this one, so why would we trade it? Right. The they're not going to listen to any of our suggestions, <laughs> no matter how good they are. But I do, and, and I do also wish that they, if we have an expanded best picture slate, then why not have a, ten best yeah, foreign language films nominated? I agree with that. If you're going to, if the whole purpose is to bring the awareness of foreign language films to a wider audience, then how? Mm -hmm. It's silly that there could be. There's going to be ten American movies that are like, wow, they're so good. We have yeah, to nominate them. Yeah, but keep in mind, but we only have five that, movies from the entire rest of the planet that are know, decent enough to that, be at the then Oscars. They're, then they're victim to the preferential ballot. That's what I was thinking yeah. about the acting categories too. I was like, we should expand the documentary and the acting. But then I thought, no, because then they're going to be voted on with the preferential ballot, which is terrible. Mm. <laughs> like it's the a, dreaded, the dreaded preferential ballot that is so unpredictable that we're just like it just thwarts our best mm -hmm. efforts at it, yeah. you know, at every turn every year. So. Um, um, okay, so moving on, Clarence, tell us about your trip so that we can get this on the podcast because I know your time is limited and we don't want to take up too much of it in case you have to go. That's okay. Um, so I actually had to spend almost a week in L.A., which, you know, boohoo, but um, because <laughs> I flew in on Tuesday. The, of course, the, Academy, the Oscars were on Sunday, but uh, we had to do a, a behind-the-scenes tour on Wednesday, so I couldn't miss that, particularly since it was my first time doing it. Um, but, uh, you know, I, it, it was a really amazing experience. The first thing, and I don't know how many people, of course, you know, everybody who lives in Los Angeles knows this, but, um, people who watch at home, I don't mean to burst your bubble, but, um, the Oscars are in a mall. Uh, 
<laughs> and everything that you see around are carefully constructed barriers mm. to to obstruct the real world, which is that Hollywood Boulevard is really disgusting. <laughs> And all of that area around <laughs> Hollywood Island is really, really nasty and full of just, just not good stuff. <laughs> just uh, <laughs> in fact, I um, I stayed within walking distance of the uh, of the the hotel where we had to be the Lowe's Hotel, which is backs up to the Dolby um, Theater, and I, I decided to take a walk down Hollywood and Highland the very first day. And, and I will not ever do that again. I mean, <laughs> it was 10 o'clock in the morning, but there were, there were a lot of, um, you know, there's, there's just a lot of homeless activity. There's, there's apparently a lot of intravenous drug users cause you see needles on the street mm. and, uh, it's, it's, it's not glam. <laughs> we'll say that Beverly Hills and the golden globes definitely has that leg up <laughs> because it's much nicer mm. down there. Yeah. Um, but you know, you, you, the, uh, the, the theater is gorgeous. The, the way that they've constructed, um, those posts with each of the best picture winners by year, um, it looks really great. Um, I, you, you don't necessarily notice that as much on camera. I don't think, I don't, I don't know if you would agree with that, Sasha, but, uh, in person, it's just really, um, breathtaking. And I'm if not, you, sorry, I'm ahead. not even sure what you mean by the post with the best pictures. I don't know that I've seen that. When you walk the red carpet up the stairs to go into the Dolby theater. There are columns that, that are, okay. you know, you know, basically inside the mall, but uh -huh. on these columns, there are uh, backlit, um, backlit, um, I don't know what you call them. Just they're, they're backlit artifacts, um, okay. with the year and the best picture winner running up the column. And so oh. they go all the way down to the Dolby and then they come all the way back up. So, 2019 is actually um, the last column on the left before you get to the Dolby Theater because you could see Green Book for 2018. Um, and then 2019, as soon as the ceremony was over, Parasite was installed on the uh, on the column. But it's it's heading back out toward the street. It goes all the way up to like 2071 or something like that. It, they, have, they have. And does it go all the way back to 1928? It goes yes. It starts in 1928. Wow. It goes back to the theater, and then it comes back out, being very optimistic that uh, <laughs> that we'll all live to see 2017. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, wow! I had no idea that that existed. That's the first I've ever heard about that. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just had to because I don't think I don't know how many people are aware that that exists and who hasn't been there to see it firsthand. So this is really great insider information. The only thing so I love I love about it is that it is it is parasite. Like people don't even didn't even get the irony of that. I don't think when the, when we were sitting there in our in our finery in this theater and then outside there's homeless people. <laughs> Yeah. It's like it's such a beautiful example of like late stage capitalism Hollywood. Like it really is just the bottom of the bottom and all the way up to the top of the top. And and there's a shamelessness in it and it's just so ironic. I know Bong Joon-ho himself would not have not noticed this. Right. But well, did <laughs> you know that's did, what did parasites you see that, about? That, that, that that really scathing uh, gif on Twitter. I mean, just like it just like stabs you in the heart. It's when, you know, when they brought the light, lights down on the winners on stage in the middle of their speeches and Tom Hanks and Charlie Theron are saying, bring the lights back up, bring the lights back up. Somebody made a gif of the guy downstairs in the basement banging his head against the, the oh. light switch to make the lights come back on. Oh God, that's oh. perfect. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> and, and that's on the, that's on the Parasite Twitter account. Oh, they God. made well, they, that. They get it's it. Amazing. I get, I, I 
love it. I love it. And I love that. Um, I mean, you have to really like macro out to get that, but like mm. it is, I'm sure Bong Joon-ho was noticing it the whole time. Like, this is so surreal because <laughs> this is my movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, know, right? I, I love that in Parasite, that guy. I just love I that so much that he lights the stairs for him. And he's like, respect. Right? <laughs> that is uh, you know, He attended... And yeah. I think this is probably one of the reasons, you know, certainly he directed the film brilliantly, but I think this is probably one of the reasons where he won Best Director is because he was at literally every party in Hollywood for yeah. a month. Without a doubt. Uh, no, I've never seen yeah. anybody except Jeff Bridges during Crazy Heart more out there for an Oscar than this guy. And, you know, the thing was, was that I thought, you know, okay, that's great. You know, it's... Uh, <clears throat> You know he's the most charming guy and everybody loves him but but we also live in an age of of you know sorry plane coming over okay i mean bong joon ho is you know it's so sad <laughs> because of you know I, I i'm not saying this in judgment i understand where it's coming from and i feel the same way i'm not saying i'm so much better than everybody else i really want that to come through but but it is it is like bong joon ho is very <laughs> instagram friendly right so everybody's yeah. gonna feel really happy celebrating bong joon ho on their instagram because it makes them look so good right as opposed to imagine if sam mandy's had won like <laughs> no one's gonna be putting <laughs> that on their instagram but like yeah. that's the thing you know is that is that it was such a perfect kind of confluence of of things that are happening in our culture right now that i thought uh that the oscar night just absolutely captured um but i think we have to say without question that like a movie that good <laughs> it just doesn't win best picture and i think that's one of the most amazing miraculous things about it was that you know it defied every sort of expectation i understand why it won i have my own theories as to why i think it won which is probably different than other people's but all the same they can put that thing on that statue on that pole or whatever it is that pillar that says parasite and that is a fucking awesome thing for them for the academy yeah. to have picked that movie like that's really good for them you know so anyway continue yes. with your uh -huh. story um so just ryan i sent you some the pictures that i took of it so you just can you can visualize okay. it um, yeah, for yourself thanks. Uh, i'm um, gonna send you something too right okay. now so go ahead yeah i'm listening um, so, you know, of course that was gorgeous. Um, you know, the, uh, I'm just going to very quickly progress through the week cause I don't want to bore people. Thursday night, I went to the 1917 party at Spago, which in hindsight was probably very prophetically low, low key and laid back. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I got to talk to Roger Deakins, um, and I got to talk to Roger Deakins about his brilliant work on one of my favorite, uh, and you're probably going to just choke and die, Sasha, when I say this, one of my favorite, uh, the Coen Brothers movies, which is the Hudsucker proxy. <laughs> <Right. laughs> I just, I love the look of that film. Like I'm such a sucker for art direction and it is so yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and I love the way that he filmed it. I mean, and, and I find it funny. I mean, it's not a deep movie and certainly something like no country for old men or Fargo. Um, those are infinitely better movies, but yeah. you know, Hudsucker proxy is one of my guilty pleasures. And I talked to him a lot about that and he was pleasantly surprised that somebody remembered it. So that was fun. And I got Aww. to meet uh, Christy Wiltz and, Cairns, who wrote the screenplay yeah. for 1917, and and um, try not to uh, drool all over her because I have a massive crush on her. She's so <laughs> cute, man. She's just she's adorable. She um, she's got this heavy Scottish mm, accent, and she's uh, really funny, and she's a she's, she's just a brilliant, great, great, brilliant person, and a World War One geek, and uh, humble, and just really, really great. 
Yeah. Hudsucker Proxy, by the way, I think it was, the, I believe, pretty sure it was the first Coen Brothers movie I ever bought on DVD. I'm almost positive that it was. And so that's how I love it, too. I didn't realize that you shared that that affection for it. It's good yeah. to hear. I, so I, 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 I cc'd you, too, the, the, that Twitter, that tweet, so you'll see what I'm talking oh about. God, it I love it. That's hilarious. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> I love it that someone figured that out because it really was. You couldn't watch the Oscars and, and like, I mean, you had to sort of put those two together and thank God. This right. is so funny that Paris <laughs> is winning this award. <laughs> because just, you can see that couple. It's so scathing, too, at the same time. It's funny, but at the same time, it's like, ouch. Can you see that ouch. couple, like, attending the Oscars? Like, the couple would totally have attended the Oscars. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, it's so great, but of course the voters don't see themselves as the top. They they, no. you know, oh, they right. don't think yeah. of themselves that way. So of course that's the greatest thing about the movie. But anyway, um, so good for them. They picked the right movie, and that's great. Um, so okay, Clarence. So then what happened? And you know, let me just tell you two stories. Like I, because I was predicting 1917, I was really just not listening to the noise about Parasite, <laughs> which was deafening, and it was really impossible to miss. And if I hadn't been such an idiot, I would have seen that and understood it. But I walked in and I heard this guy say, standing at this cocktail party, <laughs> I totally like the guy in Paris. <laughs> but uh, but he's like, uh, I'll tell you what I movie I want to win. And he picked up this long black strip and he put it over his eyes and he started laughing. And then uh, uh, later uh. I was talking to this guy who's the director of It, that movie It. I was introduced mm -hmm. to him. I have no idea oh, okay. what his name is. And I said, so what did you vote for for Best Picture? He's like, oh, Parasite. <laughs> I was uh, like, oh, was like, Andy Machete. You... <laughs> no. I said, what I did you vote for Foreign name. Language? And he's like, oh, Pain and Glory. And yeah. I said, oh, well, would it yeah. have ever occurred to you to vote for Parasite in both categories? And he said, no, it wouldn't. So I was sort yeah. of trying to, I was like convincing myself that they weren't going to do that. But of course they must have. They just, it came in at number one. Um, easily probably won on the first round as one director. Mm -hmm. It won, you know, it, it, it very easily won that award. So it wasn't even a split. You know, the preferential ballot only only comes into play in an unpredictable way when you have a recount. And Parasite mm -hmm. might have won on a recount, but it's clear to me that since it won director, it definitely also probably won overwhelming majority the first vote. Mm. So. Possible, you know, I have a kind of a different opinion about that too. But I'm, I'm, I'm willing to think that I mean it's well, mathematically look, look possible. Of course, way, it is. It is possible. Look at it's it this way: you have possible. to go back to Chicago to find a year when a director won the DGA and didn't win the Oscar for director. So that's how rare that is. So for him to win in director, that shows you that it was a majority right. popular film. Uh, I guess I look at it sometimes from a, it's a really sterile sort of math viewpoint that if one movie wins. 50% of the vote on the first round. And that means that the other eight movies have to divide up 50%. And so they get only like 8% each. And I can't see mm -hmm. that 1917 only got 8% of the vote or I even know. 15%. That's the way I look at it. I do think that as our, as our simulated ballot that Rod, Rob drew up, um, Rod, where did I get Rod? That our Dr. Rob drew up, um, Parasite had 42% of the vote on the first round. So by that time, if you get 42% exactly, in the first yeah. round, you've won. That's it. It's over. For, you, and no, that's just no all. It's just wait. You. you just have yeah. to. 
Yeah, you just have to do the the uh, formality of mm-hmm. counting. Yeah, and they they so, loved yeah. the movie. There's no question yeah. about it. Yeah. They loved it, you know, mm-hmm. so you can't take that away from them. But what's right. weird is that it didn't win anything else. That'll always haunt me till my dying day, why it didn't win even director at the Globes. Mm-hmm. And it didn't even win screenplay at the Globes. I mean, that's unheard of for that. Right. And the actors are the, and, I'm, and somebody wrote to me, said, you know, Sasha, you're the one that's always taught me that the actors matter. And, right. that's, and you yeah. can see that coming into this and why they, it was such a big deal that the actors are such a huge majority. So, you know, it didn't take much to add some other people onto that. You know, even if 1917 had its supporters, you can't, you can't, you can't override that actor vote. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And you have always said that. And that's one of the reasons why, and I totally agreed with you. I totally believed what you said that if you if you if a, if a movie has its own category to win the top prize in, then it's very very unlikely, as we've seen over the past 91 years, that it would ever they they would vote it for two top categories. And I believe that, and I predicted 1917 to win Best Picture. Not only did I predict it, but I thought that'll be fair, if 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 Bong wins four Oscars and Mendes wins four for his movie, that that would mm-hmm. be a nice balance. I didn't expect it to tip so far in the direction of Parasite. And if I had a ballot, like you're the guy you talked to on the red carpet, I would have been so afraid to vote for Pain and Glory for best foreign language film, for best international film, mm-hmm. even because I would have been afraid, what if so many other people do that and then not enough, enough people choose it for best picture, then he's going to go home empty handed. Yeah. That'll be like a tragedy. I, I would be scared to do that. But it was it was such a it was such a beloved movie. Plus, it was such a positive right. choice for them. It was a really good way to um, to re up their image and make them seem like yeah. great people. You know, it really was. So you, I know you don't really disagree with you. You disagree with me on that, but I do think that that factors into it. You know, they want people. I don't. To think no, of that I I agree that it factors into it. I absolutely, but absolutely, one hundred percent agree that that's a factor. I don't think I don't know how much of a factor. Yeah, but well, it I was do, enough of I, a factor to change. Yeah, right. We don't have to. Yeah, we don't have to be. Yeah. There's no way we can ever quantify it, so we can't. But all you know, we can look at is the stats, and we can look at history, and we can see that yeah. the only film that competes with that that has anything like this is La La Land, and even La La Land won director, and even Chicago won picture. Like it's incredibly stats, rare to have. Yeah, a movie I know win. how rare it is. I absolutely. The stats were like so over the over the map all over the map this year that we had conflicting the only other comparison you have is apollo 13 and braveheart that's it right but we knew we 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 know that a movie with no screenplay nomination and with no acting nominations is at a a disadvantage absolutely yeah so that's a stat but it's also at a disadvantage at the pga and the dga right i know absolutely sure yeah so it was a a weird year you know what are you gonna do it was a it's the short year. I think it really that helped um, to sort of upend all of the stats and and maybe it's just this weird short year. In, uh, when uh, yes, and a publicist friend of we, mine we, said we all that, love Ford Ford v Ferrari. We all love that movie. Mm-hmm. And when it won, surprisingly, when it took just took editing and one of the sound awards, I thought, wow, all right, that's great. But at the same time, I thought, uh oh. Uh oh, that's kind of like bad. This is a bad omen for nineteen seventeen. No, exactly. Because, I was I was sitting yeah. next to this guy who works at A twenty four, and he I said, so what do you think is going to win? He's like, Parasite. And I said, really? You think so? Even though it didn't win, then he's like, yeah, I think it's just an overwhelming, positive, feeling and momentum for that movie. And then when Ford v Ferrari, he's like, you know what? I have to change my mind now. I don't think it's going to win. He's like, because that shows that it's sort of like a white guy night, and so I think that that. 
white ah, guy wow. feeling uh, will drive yeah. best picture. You know? uh-huh. So, but he was wrong, of course, and that's just how it goes. But, and you've already said, but let's just you've said, but let's just reemphasize the fact that that Bong Joon Ho and his cast that came over here to visit L.A. and you know they were just so so humble at the same time they were awestruck and they're all so charming and his yeah. translator is so dang charming I know. they just imagine the splash that they made and the parties that they attended Absolutely. how everyone wanted to take them under their wing and 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 meet them and, and love them yeah and they're so lovable they're just and so the only time lovable. i've ever seen anything like that is slumdog millionaire but Slumdog yeah. Millionaire won everything. It didn't lose right. a single yeah. award. And But it was the same sentiment. It was the same feeling as Parasite. So I think if we had a longer season, Parasite might have dominated the whole thing if we had more yeah. time. You know? Right. Yeah. I agree. Well, the uh, the Academy should watch out, though, because the translator, you know, she wants to be a director, and apparently she's working on a screenplay about awards season. Oh, well, that's going to be good. good for her. Yeah. I love wow. it. That's fantastic. <laughs> So anyway, Clarence. So we we really have just you've you've taken us past the past the uh, the past the colonnade of of best picture winners, and then we interrupted you. So just go on after you got after you get into the into the building. What's it like? Oh, uh, you mean in the theater, the Dolby Theater? Yeah, for the rest of the experience. Yeah, yeah. I never actually went into the Dolby Theater, so Sasha Uh can can share that because she was um, the the press members of the press can't mingle with the guests inside. Uh, Yeah, but you know what? The upside is you have better food. Like, there's no food inside the Oscars. None. Like, it's like these tiny little bags of potato chips. That's all you get, and drinks. Like, so the press, you guys get a whole spread. It's incredible food. As anybody that knows that read my live blog, I was obsessed with the uh, pedophores. <laughs> like the trays of pedophores. I can never forget the shrimp cocktail when I was there. Oh, yeah. Was yeah, like, there was massive cocktail. bowls of shrimp. And there was this, like, you know, almost they were beating the ground, just going shrimp, shrimp. Like people would walk by and they'd say, I don't see the shrimp. <laughs> I know exactly. And then, like, they weren't going to feed us until four um, Pacific. Oh. And uh, about 3.55, the shrimp bowls came out and there was an audible buzz in the room that. <laughs> Was seconded only by uh, Parasite winning. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so your um, your live blog was amazing, and it's so fun to read. And I wish more people would go to the site and check it out. Your live blog because it was so good. But everyone just congregated, did this clustered into the main post about the Oscars, the live updates of the winners, yeah. and and nobody wants to t- change tabs because they're afraid they're going to miss something. But I wish they would go back and, and check out your live blog because it was so good. It's funny the way that people cluster like that on Oscar night. It reminds me of the of um, um, Wally on the spaceship, the way they all run to one side of the spaceship <laughs> or the other and the whole spaceship tilts. That's the way it is on the site. The entire site like tilts in one direction <laughs> with everybody running over to be in the same place at the same time. Well, yeah. I'll, it, I'll talk about that in a second. Um, on uh, Friday, I got to tour the the uh, the shell of the Academy Museum, which will open as we found out during the ceremony on December fourteenth, twenty twenty, and as I found out today, is now a hundred million dollars over budget. Oh my um, God. They had raised, I think, um, oh, I forget who the Tom Hanks um, and uh, two uh, Annette Benning and someone else are on the the fundraising campaign. They had raised ninety five percent of the money that they needed, but now they're a hundred million dollars over budget, so they're going to have to do some more work. But um, that's going to be a really substantial, incredible um, structure and monument to filmmaking. I mean, they're they're going to have just 
six floors of the most brilliant and, as they said, 65 times inclusive um, installations there. They're going to be talking about African-American films from 1900 to 1970. They're going to be talking, they're going to have a retrospective on Miyazaki and a lot of the artifacts of his filmmaking directly on loan from Studio Ghibli. Um, They, you know, they've got this enormous dome on the top of the sphere that sort of backs up to the old department store that is the body of the museum um, that has the a uh, the um, the David Geffen Theater, which will have premieres, and that's where Issa Rae and John Cho announced this year's nominations. The roof of that has an open air um, deck where you can view the Hollywood Hills, and you can have parties up there. But it also has this. Um, the ceiling to it that has 1500 tiles in it and they move with the, sh- the uh, positioning of the sun so that you're always shaded. <laughs> oh, just, wow. And it has how, a, how, you say it was a shell of the museum. How far along are they? That it, that it must, it sounds like it is pretty much things are in place, but it's, but it's how much more work do you think that could you see that things were still under construction or? Um, no, most everything was done. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of glass and, and concrete. I mean, they, they have stripped down the original department store that was there to its bones, and they're largely leaving it there. You know, it's 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 open air duck kind of look to it, kind of industrial look to it. Um, oh yeah, it's, it was a have, ni- at, that that's a 1939 um, make May department store building, and it's an incredible looking structure on its own yeah. because it's that Art Deco uh, yep. architecture. It looks like it's something out of a Metropolis movie or something. They, uh, so. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I don't yeah. know if you remember the out front of that building. There's a uh, cylindrical uh-huh. structure, and they had gold tiles on it. They uh-huh. uh, were able to save 65% of the gold tiles, and wow. they went back to the original maker of the tiles to finish the rest of it. Uh, it's it's fantastic. beautiful. Yeah. We'll have to post that maybe as a as a feature photo on the on the podcast post because it's so gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, it's in my. Um, I did a write up, so there's there's oh, more okay, information um, uh. on the write up that I posted last Friday. Um, the the funniest thing that I found was I did I noticed this, but I didn't say anything. And then I read it in the Hollywood Reporter. Um, the the bridge leading to the deck that overlooks the Hollywood Hills was, I guess, greatly sponsored by Barbara Streisand. <gasps> and it's a glass bridge, and which gave me. I, I, I'm not fond of heights, so <laughs> walking over glass, you know, it just kind of freaked me out. Um, it had a crack in it. One of the panels ah, was crack. So the floor is it's glass all around. The floor is glass too. Is what you're saying? Yes, it is. Okay, it's, well, it's, a, it's an opaque glass, but it's still glass. Um, it's a really amazing structure and I, I can't wait to, if I get to go back next year, I can't wait to visit it when it opens. I hope it doesn't Um, kill millions of people. (laughs) (laughs) Barbara Streisand is sued because it's all her fault. (laughs) It's like the Poseidon adventure. (laughs) A massive premiere and 500 people die. (laughs) <laughs> a total disaster movie of the 70s Hollywood premiere. It's called. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so, and then I did the, uh, well, then Friday night, um, <laughs> Sasha and I tried to go to Casa Vega yeah, well, with the other disaster. dude bros who were cosplaying as Rick Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. We, we met there with Jalal and Michael. 
And Michael was like the pill who didn't want to wait. <laughs> he was like, no, I'm not going to wait for it. Not having it. He was not having it at all. But we were standing there, so we were watching, and it was totally like, like what, like 10 or 15 Hollywood fans, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood fans, one of, one of them had a Rick Dalton jacket. And they were taking pictures, and we were like mocking them, and then all of a sudden it became apparent that that's exactly why we were there. <laughs> we just didn't have the clothes. Because <laughs> we love the movie so much, and we wanted, but 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 by both Jalal and Clarence's witnessing, it was too crowded and too horrible inside to go inside. Yeah. It was it was it was insane inside. So um, next time. Um, we did go time. to last time I was here for the Globes. We did go to El Coyote, so that was that was fun. That was, that was really fun. Yeah, time. El Coyote's great. It's, and Michael was yeah. like, well, "Let's go to El Coyote." He's like, I, "I can get us in there," but we were in the valley. Can, there was no way, so we did. You know. Can I ask why? Why? Why was it that you? I mean, it's great that you spent a week there, but why did you need to go arrive so early? Because I had to be there for the Wednesday press check-in. Ah, okay, right. Okay, got it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, and then Saturday, I got to go to Santa Monica to the Independent Spirit Awards. Yeah, what was that like? Um, it was fine. <laughs> it uh, so I, I was lucky enough. We were very, very um, fortunate to have been granted a ticket into the event by a press agent. Um, so I, I had a press pass as well as a ticket to the the inside ceremony. Um, I was in the, I literally could not get farther away from the table inside the building than where we were. So she was a um, little mad at us. I think that, that person who helped got us that ticket. <laughs> so maybe, maybe she so. was punishing us, right? Probably. But, um, I, I was in there for a little bit and, uh, and then I decided to go to the press tent because, um, you know, it just, yeah, you could see better for one thing. And then of course the talent was going to come in. Um, mm -hmm. which uh, that we have heard this before, it, it, the independent spirits, um, you know, if you go back to the nominations, the Jalal covered the nominations and had some issues with that, just the, the way it was orchestrated. Um, and I can see some of the same issues having done the globes and having done the Oscars and the independent spirits. I mean, they don't have a moderator for the press. So the talent has to come up there and they choose the press person that they talk to and people stand up and try to yell over each other and mm. when um when willem dafoe won best supporting actor for the lighthouse i mean he was actively telling people no you need to be quiet because i'm talking to this person and it oh, just God. i don't know it just it's just it's not the kind of it's, i don't think it's a good look honestly personally myself my opinion i don't think it's a good look i think they should have a moderator pointing to people calling them out and not putting that on the the talent jesus that comes in. right that, yeah that's amazing i've never i never saw that when i did it yeah we, um but 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 it is i told you it was better in the press tent because it's just that the vibe in there is better and and people are nicer but the food is better in the in the big tent it was it was i uh i didn't know and i was stressing about what to wear and i i this is a long different story i'm not going to bore anybody with so i um I, I didn't wear a, a suit jacket because I thought it was going to be laid back. You know, I always heard it's fun time at the beach. And then I get there and everybody's wearing suits. Oh, shit. And I felt like <laughs> I felt like a bum. <laughs> but uh, no, it's just me. It's just, you know, I'm you guys know I'm overly critical of myself. I know, so. but you didn't. I hope that that's not why you left the press tent and uh, the, the big tent. 
No, I left the Big Ten because I just was at a table with a bunch of people that were very strange. Um, and I didn't know anybody there. And I knew that uh, so I made a um, Karen Peterson, who writes for Clayton's Award Circuit. She's the um, She was in the press tent. She's fantastic. She's a brilliant person. I love her. Um, I love hanging a lot out of, with her. Yeah. yeah. She's like on the jazz of level of cool. Yeah, she's very cool. So I actually just wanted to go to the press tent and kind of, you know, see the show from there, see it from the TV, from the feed that they funnel in and then, you know, kind of hang out with her and, and you know, talk to the talent. So it's that's, so much that's more fun hanging out with press than with nervous film people. Like I, you know, I'm such a I'm so weirdly sensitive that like I feel like. I pick up on all everybody's nerves and I, and I can see phoniness and I can see superficiality and all that really wears on me when I'm around, especially at the Oscars anywhere. Um, but at the press tent, you know, it's just journalists, you know, and they're chill and it's, it's relaxing and fun. I think to be around, like I remember one year, the 12 years of slave year, I was sitting next to Steve Pun. I was like, I figured it out. I was like 12 years a slave is in the heat of the night and gravity is the graduate and they agreed on the split starting with the he was looking at me like I was completely insane I'm like they agreed on the split starting at the Globes because Quaron won the, the director award and 12 Years a Slave won best picture and they split at the PGA they're gonna split at the Oscars and he was like no no gravity's gonna win and I was like no way it's gonna split so those little things like I, I cling to because those are moments of pleasure for me when I get it exactly right. This year uh -huh. I bombed, well, and that I was your spot on. And that's another thing about this year that we knew was going to throw things off is that the, is that the guilds weighed in before the Oscar nominations were made. And so they weren't able to use the, the guilds as a guide like they ordinarily do. So they kind of went off on their own way. And that's always a, a scary thing to do to let the academy voters go off on their own way without any guidance apparently <laughs> you, know, you never know what they may do um we, the big oh sorry go ahead Brian. no go ahead that's it I'm, i was going to say the big thing that i took away from the independent spirits is the amount of love in the room both in the big tent and in the press tent for adam sandler is so significant for his win for best actor for uncut gems that i think if he ever does anything of that caliber again he's going to be a very serious player in the awards race i think he's just got such a tremendous amount of goodwill building i've, I've felt that about other other times when other actors and actresses have just have missed winning or missed being nominated in a year when everyone expected them to they have that residual um, affection that 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 of, of all the voters who wanted to vote for them, who did vote for them, whose votes didn't count the first time, they're going to be sure to vote for him the second time around, and they're going to gain even more votes, and so it's going to put him over the top on the second win, right? Yeah, I mean, the only thing that could hold him back is is uh, his Adam Sandlerness. If they don't, if they just you know, because he made a lot of jokes, he was very funny, but he made a lot of jokes, and do they you know will they take him seriously again? Do they? Yeah, I don't know, but yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to say the unpopular thing that he, he gets on my nerves to a certain extent. And I, I didn't think that his spe acceptance speech at the spirits was all that funny. I thought that he, that it went on way too long. It's a, it's a fun stick to have done for maybe a minute, but not for three minutes or how, it seemed like it went on for 10 minutes to me. I just, I got, it just got old for me. I, mean, I don't, I don't like that, that character that he plays that he pretends to be. That's mm. annoying to me to begin with. And then for him to turn this whole Spirit Awards into that, it just seemed like in a way that it was even diminishing the movie. 
Sorry, I know that's unpopular. No, I think it's bet... funny though. It's funny though. <laughs> Um, so that was the independent spirits. And then, um, Sunday was all about the Oscars and I got there super early. So I could take, um, I think I got there around 10 30 or 11 o'clock in the morning, um, fully dressed cause they shut the, they allow press to go out and set up on the red carpet. And then, you know, if you're a member of the interview room press, um, and not specifically badged to be, or to hold a position on the red carpet, you can go out and take pictures next to the statues and all that. So I did that before the rains came, um, and uh, that was fun. And then about 1 o'clock, they, or 12.30 to 1 o'clock, they start shutting it down, doing a security suite before the talent starts to arrive. So I was in the press room, Sasha, when you were apparently driving to the event mm. when the, the, <laughs> the monsoons came in. And <laughs> they had put all this, like, plastic sheeting over the red carpet just because they knew it was going to rain, so it kind of protected. And uh, there were all these hilarious videos on Twitter of people – of the the um, you know, construction crew or whatever the setup crew um, taking brooms and whatnot and kind of pushing the water out of the uh-huh. <laughs> plastic onto the side so that it wouldn't collapse. <laughs> Echoes oh of parasite. God. I yeah, remember exactly. when That's, Ryan yeah. one year you dug up these pictures of the of the Oscar statues covered in plastic. Well, you know how you know we'd we'd been in really close touch leading up to the day, and then all of a sudden you both kind of dropped off the radar. And I was, you know, I try not to. I don't want to bother you. I don't want to distract you with my silliness and my my fretting and concern and everything. So I I even hesitated to even bother to just. I didn't want to. So, but you know, Clarence, I was I was sending you direct messages. Direct messages like, have you heard from Sasha? Is Sasha all right? Is everything okay? Because I hadn't heard from you, and I lurk your Instagram too, Sasha because I'm not on Instagram myself and so I lurk to see that you're okay that that you're that you're posting and you weren't see uh, the last <laughs> po- last time I saw you was like like you posted something of traffic which was like that's a bad omen you know it was like <laughs> I had like, a weird I had me. a weird day because I was like I had this one dress that I was going to wear and I was trying it on and I, and at the last minute I didn't want to wear it and so I like tore it off oh. furiously oh and my god wow else to wear. and oh. um, and so my hair was you know in the rain your hair just no matter what you do to it it just collapses and falls flat because of the the weather and uh yeah. and it was fine I was getting there and um uh you know, I always do the same thing when I arrive. But this year, for some reason, they divided the rabble from the red carpet people. Mm-hmm. Because usually when you get there, you're allowed to walk the red carpet. And it's always really fun because you get to see the people in the bleachers. And sometimes you walk by celebrities. And you're actually walking the red carpet. And it, you know, But this time, they, they sequestered us off to the side. And so we were kind of herded in on that. We didn't get to walk the red That's the first time I've ever... Um, had that happen. I've been going for like, I guess, five or six years now, I guess it's that. But um, so we were ushered inside and I usually just always do the same thing. I go right to the top floor, which is where my seat is. And I just hang out up there. Like I never mingle. I never go down because it's just all too weird to me to do that. But um, but I got to admit, I would have liked to have like hovered near near Bong Joon-ho at least for like one minute, you know, but I never did. That's OK. Clarence, did you get to see him when you were at that party? I did. Um, you know, the after party. And I, I had seen him and uh, 
been around him a couple of times during the Globes parties as well. And like right, I said, he, he was, was there at every Dude, party he, for a month. You you you, you posted a couple of photos, did you? And you took those photos. You were close enough to get a photo of him, right? Yeah, you, yeah I was. Yeah, I was uh, yeah. at the Parasite party at the Soho House. Yes, I was uh, near the entire right. cast and even um, the sister. You know, <laughs> I wanted her. You know, everybody wants her to do the Jessica Only Child Illinois Chicago oh, thing. Uh, right. <laughs> she must be tired of that. She's um, so great, but um, but he uh, he was at everything. He even went to the Hollywood yeah. Film Awards. Like yeah. he would right. everything, everything. Well, I mean, I think he lived there for a month. I mean, he he might as well go to everything, right? Yeah, <laughs> sure, but also yeah. like that was a good strategy for them, you know, because yeah. They, yeah. they he had to be out front and center, and nobody's ever going to go. God, Bong Joon Ho really wants an Oscar, like they would with right. Sam Mendes or yeah, anybody else. Something about know? his demeanor and the way he went, he attended all these places. It never came off as like, he, boy, he's really he's really humping for it, you no, know. It never he, got that impression at all. No, and he well, seems so he, sweet, you know, like his yeah. face is, seems like a sweet, humble guy, you know. I think maybe possibly possibly because the language barrier. You, I know how I felt when I lived uh, in another country for seven years. You always feel like a little bit cut off from reality, and you, you have kind of a lost puppy look to you that that makes people want to, you know, hug you and yeah, take you in under their for wing. Sure. But also yeah. like the thing, the moments of him. One of the things that touched me so much about him was his appreciation and. Uh, you know, of, of Tarantino and Scorsese uh -huh. mm -hmm. and like how right. he was filming Tarantino's speech at the DGA. That's <laughs> so, so cute. Like I was like, wow, it's so neat. You'll never see any other director filming another director, but he had so much respect for Tarantino that he was filming that to bring home to show people, right. go, look, there's Quentin Tarantino at the DGA, you know? Right. And he understands English. He just oh can't, right yeah I, I didn't mean, speak it well exactly he, he I didn't it yeah well. same that was the same with me in Thailand I could follow the conversation but I didn't have I couldn't think of something to say fast enough so that I, the moment would pass by the time I thought of something clever to say the conversation had just zoomed past me and so I I, I was kind of like a, a wallflower a lot and you have that when you have that wallflower flower kind of look people do kind of like uh, care for you or take care of you. Or yeah. want, and want to take care of you. Yeah. <clears throat> right. He doesn't come off as pompous or arrogant or no. entitled yeah. or anything like that, you know. It um, was genuine so with I, him. It was all genuine. So Very. Yeah. So I did backstage and you know, you thank you for the compliment on the live blog. It it got dicey as the evening went along because it's very hard to try and watch the ceremony and to figure out who is winning things and tweet that out when you're also trying to listen to people in the interview room oh, and, sure. and, uh, and, and make comments about that and try to formulate yeah. questions. Um, so it's my, my brain, you know, you, you just, the brain doesn't multitask. So my, oh, I can imagine because my simple task that night was just, just base, just updating the winners. And but at the same time, I was trying to watch the show and I was also trying to mingle a little bit in the comments, but even that is a lot of multitasking for me. And I'm sitting at home with, without any pants on. Right. And so I, it's a lot easier for me, but so I can only, I can't even conceive of what you dealt with, we're dealing with. It's amazing that your live blog was that coherent at all yeah. well i was sitting there sweating to death in my tuxedo <laughs> <laughs> well you looked great you looked fantastic you look oh, I, mean, I almost didn't even recognize you you look so good and sasha when you finally did post a photo of yourself on instagram i was so relieved 
it was like I'd found my lost kittens. And so Aww. I posted immediately on the site. I posted your picture, Sasha and Clarence. I posted your picture in the comments. Aww, it's like, we nice. I found them. I found Clarence and Sasha. They're okay. They found, I found the missing kittens. That's really cute <laughs> kittens, just like Taji would be. <laughs> That's how I felt. I was just so relieved to see that to find you and to see that you both look so good. So, I know I should have been more communicative. I'm sorry. I was just no, sort of okay. getting there I, and, you know, um, it's a stressful day. It was, it was stressful. <laughs> and I have to say, like, I just want everybody to know that like, I am happy that parasite won. It was one of the four movies that I thought were just the greatest movies of the year and that any one of them could have won and I would have been happy. But you know, there is a part of me that is very weirdly competitive about being right. And it's just something that it doesn't have anything to do with the movie at all. It has to do with getting something right, betting on it, predicting it and getting it right. And if you have a year where <clears throat> you get it right, you walk away with a boost and a good feeling. If you have a year where you get it wrong, you have to feel like you ate, you're eating shit <laughs> until oh. the feeling goes <laughs> away. But I'm still stuck with that feeling and and I'll, I'll always think of the Oscars in, in a little semi-traumatic way of like, oh, my God, I didn't see this coming. I didn't predict it. And I was totally wrong. And it will always just sort of echo inside a little bit, as opposed to the years where like Moonlight or Green Book or, you know, Departed. Spotlight I got wrong or The Departed was the greatest thing ever to get it right. And, you know, mm. you're, you're lucky if like Scott Mance, who got 22 out of 24, if, if you're mm. or, or uh, um, what's his name from Next Best Picture, Matt Neglia, you know, if Parasite's your favorite movie and you pick it because it's your favorite movie and then it wins, like there's no high like that, you know. Right. I can I, I understand that totally, but at the same time, nobody looks at what you wrote or, or predicted this year, Sasha, with any with any disparagement for the fact no, that no, you have to, okay. to get it's those not, wrong. It's because not bad. because it's... you were I read every single word. That, you know, not only do I read every word you write, I parse them, I I, I examine them, I scrutinize them really carefully, and I know I know that everything you Sorry, wrote, you always couched your predictions in the fact that we don't really even we'll never know we don't know until it happens right i and know you, but you I, said I over know. and over and over that personally had a really hard time choosing because I you know, loved all I, those movies I, so if, much as you can see we yeah. have we have the predictions that we've all been predicting going way back mm. on our charts and i can yeah. look at all those years and i can see the years where i stuck to social network even knowing it wasn't going to win mm. i can see the years where i predicted moonlight and nobody else did except you ryan but um, mm -hmm. but I can also see the years where I got it wrong, and and it's it's just that Parasite's going to go down as one of those years, and so there's nothing you could do about it. It is what it is. But I won't walk. I don't walk away from it with a high like a lot of people do who got it right. Uh -huh. That's just the weird mm -hmm. world of Oscar predicting. You know, uh -huh. it doesn't have anything right. to do with the movie. I know. I understand that. I'm. I guess I'm. I'm. See, I know. I'm. I'm. I'm right so infrequently i'm ra i'm rarely right i'm i'm wrong no almost way. You all call, the time you call so i'm eighth, used to it and so when i'm when, when i'm every every time sunday night when i was wrong i was almost like happy that i was wrong because i was okay with with the way that i was wrong like i was okay that ford versus ferrari won what it did even though that's not what i predicted yeah. because I mean, because I was happy for the movie. So I, yeah, I know. I, and I you're, bet, so. you're you're an optimistic. You're just a much better person than I am. I'm a very petty. <laughs> Not that. I just, no, it's true. I'm very I, petty, I, I, and I, and it comes down to being right. Like it's no, just that petty, not. you know. And, and not only have you said, reiterated over and over, and you've made clear how much you love Parasite, you've actually come forward in recent days and even said that Parasite is one of your all-time favorite Best Picture winners. 
Correct. I, well, mean, I don't know you about didn't, you, it didn't, is. It, I, I would call it one of the best films to ever win Best Picture. I would. I would say mm. it's in the top ten at least. I, I'd listed yeah. them, and I and I think it's I definitely in did. the top ten, yeah. along with Moonlight, The Departed, No Country for Old Men, The Hurt Locker, mm-hmm. Silence of the Lambs, The Godfather movies, All About Eve. Some incredible movies have won Best Picture, and Parasite is is a movie that I would never have guessed would win Best Picture because of how it is. But it it is an absolutely great masterpiece that will go down in history as one of their best choices ever for a movie you know so i don't have anything against the movie i just i'm personally someone who really likes to be right it's just a competitive thing it's just a thing i wouldn't have gotten into this game in the first place if i didn't if i wasn't into that you know right but ryan you've it's it's adorable really you've made some pretty amazing calls though remember don't forget you predicted uh, emily blunt at the sag and you predicted eighth grade to win the wga like that was a huge oh right i forgot about that you know see i've even forgotten when i was right because i don't need (laughs) it goes in it just happens and i forget about it but yeah that was amazing those were amazing guesses that I made, but they were just pure, out, out off the wall guesses. But and a lot of times I make those guesses because I just cannot bring myself to predict a movie that I'm not really that fond of. Mm. That you know, and I just won't do that. And that's why I blew some easy calls Sunday night. If like costumes for Little Women, we all knew that was going to win, but I wasn't going to say that it was going to win because I didn't really feel like that it ought to win. Well, and that so was I the got weird that wrong. Thing. That, well, well, yeah, yeah, and that was the weird mm-hmm. thing about the Oscars. Like, they were going so status quo, so consensus. Mm-hmm. Everything was easy to predict until mm-hmm. you got to the top two awards. That was what was so mm-hmm. shocking about it, um, was that everything else was exact. Like, that's why so many people, we have six people who got 22 out of 24 at the, on the contest. Like, that's mm-hmm. never happened. Not even close, I know. you know? Yeah. And Especially one person... the, um, the shorts categories, those those sort of down-ballot categories. People mm-hmm. were getting those 100% right, and that almost yeah. never happened. And, and, and here's the reason why, Oscar watchers, pay close attention to this. The reason that the shorts are easier to predict now than they used to be is that voters don't have to watch all the movies. So the popular mm-hmm. ones do win. They didn't used to. And the reason they were so hard to call is because... The people who voted on them had to like be proved that they've seen all five. So that's why it was always mm-hmm. hard. To, you had to watch them. But now you don't have to watch them. You can know that Hair Love was highly publicized. The way we used to do it is we'd always pick the popular ones, but they wouldn't win because people had to actually sit down. And it's the same with documentary. Mm-hmm. That's why American Factory won and Honeyland didn't or The Cave or these other documentaries that were so much better than American Factory, so much better. But they didn't win because... People just went with the easy choice because they knew the mm-hmm. Obamas were attached and they didn't watch the other movies. And same with, with Parasite and Foreign Language. I can bet you that they watched like two of those. I, you know they didn't watch that one from Poland. There's no way they watched that. <laughs> right. All those voters. Well, you know, that's, uh, it, it, now uh, the civilians who predict the Oscars are kind of on the same level as a lot of the voters, since the voters don't necessarily need have to prove that they watched the shorts. They can go by the title which is a kind of, you can sometimes almost guess by the title yeah. what's going to win. But you can especially guess if you know the synopsis, if you know what mm-hmm. it's about. If it yeah. looks sounds like it's going to be something about that's going to click in or tap into a certain zeitgeist, then that's the one that you think is going to win. They may not be the best one, but you wouldn't know that if you don't see them all. No. And, and in so, fact, yeah. so, so, every, so anybody who has access to the titles and synopses is on the same level as the Oscar voters now. Right, and it's disappointing in the shorts. Look, the, the, all the ones that won are really good. Every single film ever chosen in the short category, and all the times I've been covering this, have been 
excellent films. They're almost better than the features. They're amazing. And in the documentary short category, there was um, another film other than the, the skateboard one, which was the most highly publicized. And it's, it's a wonderful movie about girls in Afghanistan who are given the fun of skateboarding so that they can get their education. It's a great short and everybody should watch it. But the one that got away was called In the Absence, which was one of the most like unforgettable documentary shorts I've ever seen. And it was about the ferry disaster in Korea. Do you remember that? There was oh, yeah. a, a ferry right. that had like all these college, hundreds of college kids on it visiting these islands in Korea. And it started to sink. And it was so terrifying because the, the authorities were just like, no, no, it's no problem. Don't worry about it. We don't need any emergency. This is going to be fine. Everybody's going to evacuate. And then they kept checking back. Are you sure everything's going to be fine? Yeah, everything's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Like 200 students died in that. And it was just uh, so no. horrible. It was such a good, and that and the, also the one that didn't get nominated about the fire in Paradise, California, was another one where the authorities mm -hmm. said, no, you don't have to evacuate. That This fire is never going to come near you. And all wow. these people were trapped. I mean, both of those movies were so good, you know. But anyway. See, that's why I'm such a bad, bad, bad Oscar watcher is because this is, these are the first, I mean, I knew about Fire, Fire in Paradise, but the one about the ferry, I did not know that that's what that was about until just now. And so that's how bad I am that even though I get sent the links and I could watch that if I wanted to, I didn't get around to it. And so it's really you know, good. So and I it's, went it's, with the one actually... with, I went with the one with the great title. I went, yeah, exactly. And you picked the right <laughs> one. But, um, but that, that yeah. in the absence is also the first, um, film from South Korea in the short to get nominated also made history along with Parasite um, but she didn't really get a story but it was it was just too much of a downer people were never the skateboarding one was much more look at how great it is that these girls are learning and it is great it's great you know it's wonderful but in the absence is chilling as hell and those poor people that lost their kids oh oh anyway uh, South, South Korean cinema I mean if, if anything if the best thing that can possibly come of all the good things that have come from paradise, uh, paradise from parasite winning are is the fact that maybe now people will t seek out more and more South Korean films because they are knockouts. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's probably, there's probably a, a, a South Korean film that could have been nominated for best foreign language for best international film Absolutely. every year for the past 20 years. That's how good they are and how and, many good ones there are. And it's a mystery uh, that they haven't been. And because I know that when oh, I used to go to Cannes, I mean, people have been talking about the, the boom, the Korean film industry for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's people have been remarking on it. And I'm every time I that's how I got to Bong Joon-ho, because I heard that people were saying, wow, you, you know, all these films out of South Korea are just incredible. And that's how I found him. And he, you know, yeah, it was obvious from the first. I only, I think Snowpiercer was the first one I saw. And then, um, and then Okja. And then Ryan, you've, I, I'm now I'm going to watch Mother and uh, Memories of Murder. Memories of Murder. And, and those, I mean, those are great. I know you like crime films. I know you like thrillers. But if you want to, some thrillers that are going to just like kill you are, are Chaser and I Saw the Devil and movies like that are just like, oh, my gosh, you just don't, yeah, I mean, I can't even p prepare you for how intense they are. Oh, Those two movies, Chaser and I Saw the Devil, will knock your, your socks off. Oh. And I've got, I mean, I have a book, I have a book about uh, the resurgence of North Korean cinema that has a preface by Martin South Scorsese. South Korea, right? It so, can't be North Korea. Uh, what did I say? I keep saying North Korea for some reason. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> South Korea, of course, South Korea. North Korea, Korea doesn't make any movies unless they're <laughs> no pure way. propaganda. Just 
Oh my gosh. This, I wish you could fix me sometimes. I'm just broken. But anyway, yeah, of course, South Korea. I have a movie about, I have a book about South Korea that Martin Scorsese wrote the preface for. And this book is 15 years old. So he saw it coming 15 oh, years ago. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. That's amazing. I, you know, I sometimes um, worry, just as a sidebar, just one second, Claire, let me just get this out there. Mm -hmm, I have sure. been worried for a while now that, and, and for a long time, actually, um, since I've been watching the shorts, it suddenly occurred to me that the American films weren't getting in. And I was like, why is that? I mean, The Neighbor's Window won, and it was American, and it was really good and deserved it. And that guy is really well known. So, of course, you know that it was going to win. In the other old system, it probably wouldn't have. But, um, but the, uh, I, I was just worried that, like, we're not able to tell stories in this country the way that yeah. that they do in other countries. And it, it has been fretting me and worrying me for a long time. And and I'm not sure what that's about. I'm not sure if that's because our, our thing here is to buy and to be happy and aspirational and and or sort of baked in fantasy and make-believe. And maybe our lives are too easy. I don't know what it is, but, but I do know that like all of the shorts from other countries always tell good stories, fundamentally good stories. And so I'm wondering what that's about. And it's just sort of an ongoing rumination that I have, and I, and I haven't come to any sort of conclusion about it yet. But I mean, maybe they're really you. They're really unique stories. For one thing, they're stories that are so unfamiliar with us that sometimes we're just like astounded by the fact that these stories could even possibly be happening anywhere on the planet. Whereas with American stories, we're kind of familiar with some of them to a certain extent, and right. it may seem like that it's not really anything we haven't seen on the news. Right. But, right. But that's the, true. But that's maybe that's maybe a little part of it. But but as far as um, people not watching the shorts. When Shia LaBeouf had to had to step in and, and announce the winner for the neighbor's window, he said it's the neighbor's widow. <laughs> so we know he didn't watch it because he thought the movie was about the neighbor's widow. Oh. And so we know he didn't even watch but it. But you know what? So. It actually is about the neighbor's widow. That's the weird thing. It does turn out oh, to be that it? way. <laughs> well, okay. Well, so he sort of got it right. But, but no, I don't title, think he knew so what he was saying. Yeah. But it just uh, no, does right. kind of turn yeah. out that way that she, I mean, it's a great yeah. movie, by the way great movie i loved it um anyway so what were you going to say clarence i interrupted you no i was just going to say um i just wanted to say a couple of funny things about the after party at the soho house for yeah. parasite before because mm -hmm. i know i'm boring you guys completely you're not but... I, I, no, I especially no 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 it's, the... it's amazing and i, I want to hear every detail but yeah. tell us first about soho house soho house where mm -hmm. what that is and where it is and stuff like so, that. so soho house is a restaurant that's on like the penthouse of a um, uh, you know, a small uh, building, you know, 12 stories, I think, something like that. Um, near, it's off Sunset, right, Sasha? I think Sunset Boulevard. I'm back, you know me, I don't go to these things, so I've yeah. never been to Sunset. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. It's um, off of Sunset Boulevard, let's just say that. And uh, it's a, a beautiful um, Asian restaurant. Um, and you get to it by the uh, parking. There's a uh, parking deck under the building, and you have to go into an elevator, and you take the elevator all the way up. Um, and that's pretty much the only way you get in there. Um, at about 8.30, the ceremony was over, and I was waiting for Joaquin Phoenix and Renee Zellweger and, of course, Bong Joon-ho to come backstage. And I'm sitting there thinking, I really want to go to that party. <laughs> mm. 
and uh, and I'm like, you know, I've 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 been around Renee Zellweger winning the Golden Globe, the Spirit Awards. What is she going to say that's anything different? And and then of course Bong Joon Ho. Um, and I decided to pack up and I left before they got there. And it turns out Walking Phoenix didn't go back there, which is probably yeah. best for him. Um, Sometimes but, they uh, don't, Zell- you know. What's that? Sometimes they don't show up in there. It's really weird. Yes, he's actually the only one that didn't. Um, you know, Bong Joon-ho did not come out until the very end, of course, because he won for screenplay, he won for foreign film, he won for director. So, you know, he was, there wasn't any time where he could spend the time to go back to the press room, but he did come at the very end. I think he was there like at 8.30, so it was like 9.30 or almost 10. Um, so I went to the party where my friend, our friend, uh, Jazz was already there, of course. Um, so I get there and it's like 10.30. And there's this enormous line waiting to get in. God. And I was getting pissed because I had an, you know, we, we all got this invitation, this email from one, you know, various publicists. And I'm at the back of this line. This line's not going anywhere. There's all these, you know, Hollywood hangers on or whatever yeah. that are walking up there trying to get in through the front door. And and they're they're being turned away. Some people are being given white cards and that's sort of your you get ahead of the line. You, you know, everybody had the invite, but the white little cards were preferred invites. So, you know, obviously there was a caste system in, in, in getting in there. But <laughs> while I was standing in line, um, I saw two really funny things. First of all, I saw Roger Corman. His daughter drove him to the party. And, of course, he was ushered to the front of the line because he's Roger Corman. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really cool seeing him. Um, you know, I he's, I don't know how old he is, 80s, late 80s. Mm-hmm. Um certainly looked at um but uh while i was standing in line there was i think he is a musician he is um he kind of looks like a he's he's like six and a half feet tall i, I don't know who he is but i've seen him before somewhere he's kind of a rock person um he was either high as a kite or drunk off his ass um because Alfie Allen, who was in Game of Thrones and Jojo Rabbit was at the party and he left early to go somewhere else mm-hmm. And he walks by this guy, and the guy goes, "It's Neil Patrick Harris." Mm. <laughs> Jesus. And then there's this other woman uh, that was talking to somebody in front of me, and she looked a lot like Susan Sarandon. It wasn't Susan Sarandon, of course. This guy thought it was Susan Sarandon, so he went right up to her and he says, "I love your work, Susan Sarandon." Oh and she goes, God. <laughs> so I was. There was some entertainment there. So it took me an hour and. Um, it was about 11.30, and I, and I had an early morning flight back home the next day. So I decided to leave, that I wasn't going to get in. Um, Jazz was already inside, but uh, you know I couldn't get past the the barrier. And so I left and, and went to the elevator, and I, um, I was pissed at this point. And I was tired, and I bitched to somebody in the elevator, which I never do. But I just said, this is terrible. I got this invite, and I can't get in, and I don't understand why, and it's just I'm, it's, I'm tired. <laughs> And she just looked at me and she goes, well, who invited you? And I said it was this person, uh, publicist that worked on the film. And she said she got white and her eyes grew. And she said, if she invited you, then there will be hell to pay if you don't get in. So that's great. She took me back down to the bottom floor and she walked me in front of the line of 75 people. And I got in the party. (laughs) That's fantastic. Was that um, Leia Yardim was the one that invited you? Yes. Yeah. She's our yeah, old friend. Story. She's that's been our like friend good... for a very, very long time. Yeah. Um, that's a movie. That's a that's a short film. That's a that's a Oscar winning short film right there. 
<laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Is, is when you when, once you start going to these things and you you know you 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 get the sense of not Clarence didn't have it, but if I was there, for instance, I never would have bought. I wouldn't have, either. I had a VIP pass, or I was I was not go. I would not go to that. That's just so horrible and snobby. But it's just the way it is. When you've done it a long time, you you come to expect certain things, and, and one of the things I expect is a VIP ticket in. And if I don't mm-hmm. get it, I'm not going. And so you know that's the thing is like. They they do have these spots for certain bloggers, <clears throat> and you you know you have to sort of fight for it if they're not giving it to you. You know, so you have well, you to know do what? that. Well, I, I mean, I I wanted to see what Soho House looks like, and so while you were talking, I, I I googled it real quick, and it says for application, click here, and we can start your application process. So you know, it's a private club, and you don't have one. You have to. It's, it's twenty two hundred dollars a year oh, to join God. to be in the private. Yes, and and there's an application fee of $625 just to apply, just for adult applications have to be, you have to put $625 up front and you might not even be accepted. And then if you are accepted, you have got to pay another $2,200. So that's how exclusive it is, Clarence. So you, wow. It's also a weird place to have a party for a movie that, that popular. It's not very big, you know? Well, I just don't think that, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, I I don't know if they didn't expect it or or I don't think they did. I I think they were hoping, but I don't think they expected. In in any rate, they might've expected best picture, but they were never going to be expecting best director. There was no way. So getting back to let me just wrap up the uh, the soho house experience so i get inside the party and i stand around with jazz and talk to her for a while and um one of the producers is already there and so um jazz got a picture with the oscar i i was not um you know i didn't get that shot i did get a picture of her oscar through a window like <laughs> zooming quite a bit and just kind of lurking a little bit because that's uh-huh. what i do um, but we were all waiting for the cast and Bong Joon-ho to arrive at the party. And about 12.45, they rolled up. I guess they were late. Wow, they were staying that's there so late. Ball. Yeah, I was, it, was, it was really late. But as soon as they walked in the door, it was like a rock star had walked in. The entire mm-hmm. room just screamed and went electric. And it just like anybody that was tired, it was all gone because you were just feeding off of this like uh-huh. this celebrity energy, mm-hmm. just like, you know, Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt level. They could have walked in and, and there wouldn't have been no different. Like they were they were just bowing down at the altar of Bong Joon-ho. It was insane. Mm-hmm. And they get to the front mm-hmm. of the room and then there's a speech and who's at the front of the room, Sasha, but Colleen Camp. And she is sobbing, sobbing, Jesus. because she has been supporting this movie for so long. Like, that was the party that we didn't go to the night that we went to El Coyote was her um, and Philip Noyce's sponsorship of mm-hmm. uh, Parasite. They had that screening. Mm-hmm. Um, she was so happy. And she was, Pong Joon-ho was hugging her and... She was crying, and it was just surreal. That that yeah. that was sort of the perfect moment to end it on when I was looking at Colleen Camp, sort of just having a meltdown. God. Oh, wow, such I, drama! I, so you really you saw so much drama that night. It's a, it's a fantastic. So many great, fantastic memories and stories. No kidding. I mean, wow. Yeah, that's I just that's, envy I mean, you so when much. you're at the like epicenter of a of a you know a high status situation like that, where you're you know that remind definitely reminds me most of Slumdog and how the reaction to that movie was. It was the same kind of thing. Like Danny Boyle was as ex, as celebrated. And the cast was, it was like the cast with this, because they're, you know, they're, they're not <laughs> Americans. They're not, 
like you say, they're, they're unusual to be mm -hmm. in the scene. And so it is sort of like seeing a unicorn. It's like, wow. Yeah. And it, it, when they came out on stage at the SAG and they got that standing ovation, that was like, it was really surreal to see these people that you know, I mean, I've seen the movie quite a few times, at least six or seven times. But it was, you know, and they're so good, and their characters are so strong. And then when you see them out there, like the, the sister and the, the two mothers, and you're just like, wow, this is mm -hmm. really bizarre. And you don't really know how to express that feeling that you're seeing these, these actors in real life. It's mm -hmm. different from seeing yeah. actors like Joaquin Phoenix or whatever. It's just a whole different mm -hmm. thing because, you know, they're not everywhere. Mm. Yeah. You're going to feel that same disassociation and, and disconnect when you, I, mean, I don't know, maybe you have uh, seen uh, Memories of Murder, when you see the father and the character he plays in, in, in this movie from 2003 or 2005, what a different type of person he is in this other movie. It's gonna. It's kind of mind twisting, mind blowing to see his the range of this actor and how oh he can God, carry off Oh my God, he's in the host roles. too. He's really young in the host. Yeah, right. I know, right. And it's just, he, he's. I mean, he's just so incredible. And he's not only in Bong Joon Ho movies, but he's in other South Korean movies by other um, premier directors too. So yeah. he's like their, their, their De Niro or almost or something. You know, right. And really you know. Who am I to, to criticize them? And I'm not even criticizing because clearly they, they did a fantastic job of, of spreading the movie. But I do wish that Neon had not focused their awards campaign solely on him because I, I you know, a lot of people were saying, well, if it was so popular, why didn't it get any acting nominations? Well, they only campaigned him. He was they, they didn't he, they didn't even mention any of the other actors in the FYC ads. It was only Song Ken oh. Ho. Mm -hmm. um, and I I. You know, watching the film, I know that he's got the history. He's he's a celebrated, longtime South Korean actor. I, I totally get that, but he's not even the best performance in the film. I don't think personally. Right, I, I agree with you. And you know, the thing is, we know from experience from Rob's ballot, if a name is unfamiliar enough that you're unsure about how to spell it, people are not going to. Even our readers who are really well informed, they're not going to go to the extra step of looking up on IMDb and see the name of the actor and how to spell their their foreign name and write it out manually. And I think the Oscar ballots are the same way. It's a blank place. It's a blank slot. You've got to write the name out. And if you don't know how to spell the name, much less even familiar with the, with knowing what the name is, you're not going to write it on your ballot. And you don't want to make the mistake of picking a name that you think is this one actor, but then, you know, and then revealing yourself that you didn't know. That was I the know. thing about it. Yeah. Like I, I would tell, I would totally think of myself as one of those people because I'm so lame like that. But Parasite, they're they're all so indelible, each of them, uh -huh. that it is easy yes. to go on IMDb and look at their faces and know exactly who they were. And then that mm -hmm. was really easy for or, me to do when I wrote because I did write an ensemble piece early on because the publicist kind of asked me to uh -huh. get the names out there, right. and I wrote all the names out. You know, I typed them right. all out. But I remember thinking, God, this is never going to, they're never going to make it in because people will yeah. not be able to figure out how to write these names. You know, they're exactly. not easy to figure yes. out. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I, I think the best one is the housekeeper. I think she's the one that stands out to me as the best performance. Uh, and I'm glad that yeah. they just let her go, let, let her go and go in, in her acceptance speech at the Oscars. <laughs> no, and she just wouldn't <laughs> shut up. She, she so went funny. on and on. She's like me. She just rambled. Oh, she's so good. <laughs> it's now, like, though. wow. Okay. <laughs> Take off. <laughs> I think she's the best by far in the movie. <laughs> no, I love her. I character. like, I liked seeing her on stage there at the Oscars because it, you got to see, 
what she's like in real life, how different she is from the self-effacing person in the movie. She's really, she takes over. She took over there on stage at the, on Oscar night. That's hilarious. And the, the mother, the, 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 the wife, the rich wife is also really, really good. Uh-huh. Yeah, she was, oh, yeah. those two were my favorite as well. But I really liked uh, the sister and I liked, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it was just such a strong cast. Very, anyway. very strong. And every performance was so specific. And I love watching it over again, and I, and I never get tired of it. And and I love the different scenes that really kind of come through, like the scene where he's kissing the the teenage daughter, and she notices that he's away, that he's that he's not with her, and she says, mm. "You've you know you're not you know you're not involved in this." Why? And he's looking out the window at the party, and he says something like, "Do you see me here? Do you think that I could be one of these people that I could live this kind of life?" It's just such a powerful moment that. Right. You yes. know, and you feel so much for him. You just love this character by the end of the movie. Um, and it's such a relief that he lives. <laughs> yeah, it's just an exemplary example, exemplary example of, of, uh, of, uh, of an ensemble cast where they where they mesh so well together. And all of the characters seem so lived in and so naturalistic that you just absolutely instantly buy into it. And they're all so distinctive, like you said, Sasha. It's the exact opposite of a movie that is intent that's deliberately more broad. I'm not trying to say that Knives Out would ever attempt to be anything like Parasite. But what you have in, Par- in Knives Out are a bunch of big name actors who just ham it up who just ham it up and 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 it all kind of blurs together in my mind because even though they're Same. all distinctive it's all just, just it's all weirdly distinctive in a way that doesn't all fit together in any yeah. way that makes any sense when i think of I parasite be- like even the first time i saw it when i was telling you guys on the podcast how much i loved it the first time i saw it like for me parasite and for everybody obviously who loves it it stays with you every scene i can't tell you a single scene i remember from knives out not one mm-hmm. Right, you know, uh-huh. and Parasite, yeah. I could tell you every single scene, and because I all of them, I love so much. There's so many in there that are worth talking about, you know. And then another, you you really buy in, you really accept instantly that they're families because they seem like a family. But the family in Knives Out do not seem like the least bit related. Like they could even be possibly even genetically related in any way. Like their yeah. DNA must be totally different strands. They must all have different mothers and fathers yeah, because and, they don't seem like a, brothers. And the two movies are a really good example of one movie trying to deliver a message. And the message mm. is bigger than the characters and bigger than the story. And then another movie where the, the, the characters and the story is bigger than the message. And the message is there, but it's not this hitting you over the head with it, you know. Although nah. maybe some people would disagree with that. But but I think that, in you, you know, what Bong Joon-ho does so beautifully in this and successfully in this, that, that he hasn't quite achieved to this degree in his movies, although Okja comes closest, I think. But um, but he gets you to care about them so much and he takes you into them. And so that, you know, when the stuff starts happening, you care about it. And that never happens in Knives Out. They're just caricatures, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, it gets it. Caricatures. That's such a beautiful, this whole past five minutes of what you've been saying, I disagree with so much. It's just a great way to phrase it. And what Bong Joon-ho said about Scorsese, the quote that he, the quote, the Scorsese quote that he learned and has tried to live by, since he was a student studying his films, is that what was it? Now I can't think of it. Something like <laughs> to be to, the more personal you are, the more the better, more creative you are, or something. What was that? It was, it was about being personal. To be creative mm. is to be personal, and yeah. that was yeah. important, yeah. you know. 
And, um, and I think he, he did that here, but, uh, but I, I just love how, and I hope that American storytellers look at how he writes the female characters. He does have a co-writer, we should say. We, it's not just him writing it, but, um, but mm. the, the females are so complex. You never see women like that in American films, never. Never with that kind of complexity. Just take the sister alone, you know, what she is all about, you know, and her levels of character. First, you know, she doesn't have to just be one thing. She's, you know, she's conniving, she's bitter, she's resentful, she's uh, resourceful. And I love the scene where she's like smoking and she's, you know, hacking out that diploma. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, but then it, she becomes vulnerable, you know, and mm-hmm. you see that when, when, they're, when they're running in the rain and, and he says, what would she do in the situation? She's like, she would never be in this situation, you know, mm-hmm. because this is my life, you know, and, and her arc is so wonderful. And then each of them has their own, you know, obviously the rich people, because they never really you know they're never brought into the reality of the story they escape from it you know um, mm-hmm. so they don't really have the same complexity we don't really get to know them in the same way but we also don't hate them you know mm-hmm. so. I found the quote the Bong Joon-ho quote okay. let me read it since I botched it before he <laughs> says when I was young in studying cinema there was a saying that I carved deep into my heart which is that the most personal is the most creative mm. and then he pauses and he says that quote is from our great Barton Scorsese oh god and, that was I mean I know it wasn't such a and that just, even in his speech he's a great writer even in his acceptance speech he's writing in a way that lets you understand who he is just from his beautiful words and you never see that man you never see a guy who's grown up with worshiping these directors on stage with them, nominated alongside them and paying tribute to them like that in that heartfelt way. You never see that. You see people like, you know, go through the motions of thanking their Mm -hmm. fellow nominees, but you never see where it really means that much to them. And you could tell that it did. Two of his biggest influences, he was nominated alongside. Imagine how surreal Mm -hmm. that was for him, you know? Right. I love that when he would say something in Korean and then have to pause while his translator is told in English what he said. You could see him in the background. He's yeah. like touching his head and putting I his know. hand to his mouth. He's just like he was just overcome. I know. He was yeah. just oh. so overcome in the moment. It's just, oh, wow. I just like tore my heart out. I love that. I love that part where, where that moment between after he said something and and his kind of, in the Santa Barbara interview with him, he was embarrassed that he needed a translator, you know, because he does speak English, but he didn't mm. want to say, right, sure. you know, he wanted to be able to be articulate and he wanted to speak mm-hmm. in his name. He didn't want to like suffer through it and struggle through it and have that be representative of what he's trying mm-hmm. to say, you know? Right. But, uh-huh. um, but that, that got me too. Every time he said something, it meant something with him, mm-hmm. with Bong Joon-ho. Anytime he, it was never just bullshit, you know? Right. Um, it was it was just a really a, a joy to watch him win stuff and that I always you know I should have stuck to that I'm so stupid but I should have stuck to that that fundamental theory about awards is that people have to like you to see you win and they have to mm-hmm. like to see you win every time you get on stage or you're not going to win and if it's not exciting they're not going to vote for you right yeah. well I've been talking about Parasite winning Best Picture since September and because it didn't win the PGA or the DGA I abandoned it and mm, <laughs> and sorry. then I was like god damn it I, I know it was fuck that doesn't that, that annoying <laughs> it's so that's, that's something I would ordinarily do that's so that's such a Ryan thing to do to, to just stick to your guns even though you know it's a hopeless lost cause but but the reason that I did 
vacillate in the end and 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 split it. The, you, I did the thing that you advised most against, Sasha, is you predict a split because you and I predicted yeah. it because you never know which if it's going to split, you can never predict which way it's going to go. But I did it anyway. I did the most risky thing, and I predicted a split for 1917 to win Best Picture. But it was because I love that movie so much too. I really genuinely adore and admire and respect that movie. I'm just in awe of it, and and I just actually. I looked at my ballot and not my predictions and I, I wanted to spread the wealth. I didn't want any either one of them to run away with it. I wanted them to share equally. Yeah. And so that's the way I arranged my I, ballot. I hear I that, think, but it yeah. definitely would have gone if it was going to go anyway, it would have gone the other way. But the weird thing know, was, yeah. was that I had cognitive dissonance about it. Like I couldn't convince my brain to do it. And I didn't even have any moment of doubt on that, by the way. Mm -hmm. I thought there's no way that they're going to pick this movie for both because they didn't do it last year. And it, if, if, if it had won anything, if it had won the director at the, or screenplay at the Globe, if it had won any major award other than the SAG and the ACE, I would have mm -hmm. predicted it for Best Picture for sure. But that yep. it didn't, I kept thinking it won 1917, won on the preferential, it won on the... But what I really think could have happened, theoretically, is people just didn't watch it. And once they started to catch up with it and they watched it, then it caught the wave, you know? Yes, yes. It's either that or it's they saw that um, standing ovation and they were just so blown away by it. They loved the headlines the next day. And they were looking at, you know, you can't discount the fact that they were kind of looking out for their own reputation. You know, I really do think that that had to be part of it. But that sounds like a slight against Parasite, and I don't mean that. It's not a slight against Parasite. It's a slight against the voting members of the Academy and what I think that they do, in, which is sometimes self-serving in their choices. But that's okay, because a great movie won. So it's not uh -huh. like some movie didn't win and some shitty one did for virtue signaling it's like a, a a masterpiece one best picture when does that happen hardly ever i know so rare another although we i mean we absolutely cannot fault neon for the way they handled the campaign because it turned out that they did it brilliantly but i was even confused a little bit by the way that they sent out the screeners because they sent out that great little booklet which is real fancy and real nicely put I know, together I know. but it had it had 12 different movies in I it know. and and you know it, and they were all great movies apollo 11 and and uh little woods and uh, what else wild rose honeyland loose and and but, uh, but the other weird Parasite. thing about it was that i knew a lot of people who just didn't want to watch it because of the poster and the name like my mom, yeah. she thought it was a horror movie. I couldn't get her to watch. Yeah. I'm like, Mom, yeah. it's not a horror movie. And she's like, Oh, it mm. sounds like it. And my other friend yep. was like, Oh no, that I I, I haven't watched it because it freaks me out looking at. It. I'm like, It's not. So I felt like the poster wasn't representative of the film, and I don't know why they went with it, you know. But mm. it doesn't matter. The one best picture, so <laughs> can't right. fault them, you know. But if they sent out if they sent out the screener with Parasite being a featured in its own little box to set or something really fancy yeah. all by itself, that would have made more sense. But in, as it was, it was like the 11th movie in a booklet of 12 movies. Right. And so you had to thumb through it to even find it. Yeah, Same thing so, with my wife, uh, Sasha. I tried yeah. to, I've tried to show her Parasite multiple times, and she just won't watch it because she thinks it's a horror movie about a literal parasite. And I said, <laughs> you know, it's a metaphor, mom. right? It's a goddamn metaphor, <laughs> you know. I know. I tried to get her to watch it, but you know what's weird for me in my own personal life is that the people that I know that watched it, they weren't over the moon for it, and so it did kind of set me on a weird. The two, like Michael, my friend, and his friend Kevin, who he hangs out with a lot. Kevin loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He liked Parasite, but it was he would rank it like number three or four 
it wasn't like passionately beloved the way, say, Slumdog Millionaire or Argo or any of these movies were. So that was throwing me off, too, because I did hear a lot of dissent in the ranks, and I thought people are just, like, thinking this is a big deal because I'm on Twitter it is, but it's not really a big deal because otherwise everybody would be saying how much they loved it, and they weren't, you know, in, we my, had a lot in of, my sphere. Exactly right. Yeah, we have a lot of detractors on the site who don't are not especially fond of Parasite 2, even more so now that it won. They're, they're oh. actually going all out, full-on attack and picking, picking it oh, apart. Oh, wow. What and, did they like and, instead? But they, they, they've always done that, though. Ever since September, they were, thinking, they were saying that they didn't see it. Then when they finally got around to watching it, they couldn't see what the big deal was about. Right. There's not a bunch of people, but there's like 10 of them on the site who, who are really vocal and who've just said persistently that they don't think that it's worthy. Yeah, I know, and, and I so, got really annoyed with this guy I know on Facebook who I kept saying, and I kept raving about, you know, I mean, I was raving about Parasite. I was like, you've got to see this movie. You've got to watch it. And he finally did, and he's like, you know what? I, Shoplifters was better. Like, I, I, you know, this uh, movie seemed very derivative to me. I've seen it before. And <laughs> I just kept hearing that reaction, and I thought that that was, gonna, that was why it wasn't winning and that was going to come in play. But but the, the, the fact of Parasite, it caught a wind of enthusiasm and passion, and people liked him, and they liked the movie, and they really were rooting for it. And mm -hmm. so that, you know, that can really be a perfect storm um, when it comes to that, you know, with the actors involved. The actors really tipped it over into Parasite's favor. Without them, I'm sure Sam Mendes would have won Best Director probably at least, at the very least. Yeah. Yes, I think you're right. You know, I've had my... Um I've had some doubt, some qualms about questioning what factored in most, but I've come around to believing you that the actors really did push it over. I even made a ass of myself with a good friend of ours on Twitter when she said the same thing you're saying, and I tried to argue with her, but she came back at me with such a logical, calm, you know, level-headed responses that I thought, okay, I'm being, and I'm being a dick, and so, and I reconsidered, and it's, and I've listened to you too, and I've reconsidered, and I do think you're right. It's the actors because the actors saw what we saw. We're talking about earlier about what the what what the, this cast did together, how how believable they all are, and how much they made us care about their characters. Yeah, but I mean, you can't, and and even though people get mad about it, nobody wants to talk about it. But you can't discount the bad press around the Oscar race this year that, that really consumed all of the media coverage about it and led to boycotts. There were like three or four stories in the New York Times op-ed page, all of them focusing on the Oscars and race. And there was a very strong pull um, towards Parasite because of that, both, I think, at the SAG and at the Oscars. And that isn't a bad thing. You know, it's not it's oh. not a comment on anything except to say that you know, the the Academy, as far as I know, really hates to be called racist. And when those conversations bubble up, they almost always react with their vote, whether it's, mm -hmm. you know, Denzel and Hallie on the same night. And, and the only problem with that, and this isn't the case with Parasite, because anybody can see it plainly, that it's a great movie. But um, but but in, in the future, it won't happen with this one, but in the future, people look at those wins with skepticism and they think, oh, they only won because. And that's the thing that I hate is that, you know, I, that's why I try to fight for things that I think deserve it rather than mm -hmm. just, oh, Little Women deserved a Best Director nomination because of Greta Gerwig, blah, 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 whatever. But, um, but you have to, you know, when you're talking about legacies, there are a lot of films and, and acting that have won because people believe that the Academy was just trying to get good optics or good PR. And so those, those performances and stuff in those movies are never really 
honored looking back. They're always seen as like a token. I don't think that'll be the case with Parasite, but but there is no denying that the the Parasite win made people feel good, partly because of that, partly because they were fixing a problem that they could fix. Mm -hmm. They could fix it by and being enthusiastic about it and by rewarding it, you know. That's another thing that you've said consistently that I've always kind of... Uh, not 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 skeptical of, but I was just kind of agnostic agnostic about. But I come around to believing that you're right about that, and not only about racial issues, but this year especially about gender too. And I think it's the same situation where you try to force a gender issue down the down the throats of voters. They're not going to react the way that you want them to. Witness what happened to Greta Gerwig. If they had a chance, if they wanted to 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 bow down to the Greta Gerwig stands, but they didn't. They, you know, they, they, they could have I, given her. It was um, so funny because I, I meet this girl every, every time at the Austin, not girl, this woman, this girl. Um, uh, uh, Clarence, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, okay. Because I heard a noise, a Skype noise, and I thought that meant you left. Anyway, her name is Lou, and she, and her husband is this British guy named Nigel, who I absolutely love. He's like president of BAFTA or something like that. <laughs> he's British. Oh, wow. And he's so, he's always at all these Academy events and stuff. And, and she, last year I saw her and she was like, She's just a really wonderful woman. And I was like, what do you think is going to win? And she's like, I think her husband was like, because oh, Roma had just won the BAFTA. And he was like, oh, Roma's going to win. And she was like, no, I, I think Green Book is going to win. She's like, it's, you know, it's it's not going to be Roma. It's going to be Green Book. And she didn't like Green Book. She she thought that it, but mm. she predicted it. So this time I saw her and I'm like, Lou, Lou, so what's, what's going to win? And she's like, I think 1917. And I was like, well, you remember you thought last year that it wouldn't? And she's like, She's like, no, I don't think Parasite will win. She's like, I don't think the industry is going to say, you know, is ready to, just like the thing I said, which is, you know, we're, we're going to mm -hmm. give them, after this great year of movies, we're going to give a movie to a film that was made outside the system. They're never going to do that. And she, but, but also we were standing there talking and she was like, she was like, she looked at me and she was like, did you see Little Women? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, I expected it to be, you know, a great movie after everything I read. And she's like, but it was a mess. She was like, I couldn't <laughs> follow it. And she was like, it was so like sappy and overly sentimental. And like, and, and I just felt like vindication, you know, at least somebody <laughs> agrees with me. One person, you know, agrees with me on this, you know, and they uh, saw. What well, they saw. I, in a way, you 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 made it possible for people to say what they wanted to say about Little Women, where they, whereas they might have been afraid to before. You 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 broke that ground. You you paved the way, and, and you took all the heat for that. And so other people had. Maybe not to say it publicly, but at least to say it, you know, one on one, like she did to you. I've seen a lot of people recently, on, even on the site, which is a really uh, um, refuge for Little Women fans, say the same thing that they kind of agree that when they that they have to admit that they had some problems. A lot of you know that, that not just not always the same problems that we see, but they they couldn't understand not only what was done but why it was done why, why she decided <laughs> to do it that was your thing way. Ryan you were like I I don't understand why she chopped it up <laughs> like, yeah I couldn't order? see the point of it and it's, when you, it's such a risk when you make when you remake a movie that's been made six times before that they're gonna that you're gonna look back on those other versions and you're it's hard to, to surpass some of those other versions. They weren't bad movies. There was nothing really that needed to be fixed about those other versions. Yeah. That's the thing. It's why remake something and change it around just for the sake of change when the, a lot of those other versions were really pretty dang good. Yeah. They were pretty okay. And, um, Chris Tapley was telling me today that he was going through all of Bong Joon-ho's old movies and he was watching his very first movie 
from 2000 about a guy who murders dogs and another guy who like cooks them up and eats them. Uh-huh. And he said it was terrible. Like his first movie uh-huh. was just terrible. And I was thinking the year 2000 was basically when I started my website. So that is how long Bong Joon-ho has been making movies. That's a uh, long know, time to and own said, your craft. So what I said, you know, and yeah, to I'm become s- a great filmmaker. Like it takes time. You can't just out of the gate call fucking Little Women a masterpiece. Give her some time mm. to become a good director, yeah. you know? Yeah, I was, was going to recommend that movie to you that Chris was telling you about, but I thought, nope, 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 this is no, not going to be Sasha's cup of tea at all. Sasha's not going to like this movie no. for so many reasons. And also for the fact that it just really is, he's not there yet. But it is, that was happening around the same time as what I was saying before. Uh, South Korean cinema was absolutely undergoing a renaissance, from, not, from but it didn't start until 1997 when, they, when the, the government stopped um, making their movies requiring that the movies have propaganda elements to them when they finally gave their filmmakers the freedom to do what they wanted to do. Yeah. Well, we, yeah, yeah that's, that's right. And, and I, I appreciate that you're not telling me about that because that, that would just be, and I know he loves animals, so I don't know what he was doing yeah, thinking that right, way. Either. <laughs> <laughs> um, what were you saying, Clarence? Sorry, I interrupted you. No, 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 it's okay. I was just going to say, um, you know, Bong Joon-ho's first movie could be bad and he could get the chance to um, to grow and to make mistakes and to learn from them and make yeah. better movies. But because, you know, it, women in Hollywood just, just aren't right. given that chance to make mistakes. No, they're not. Mm. And in fact, not only that, but they're often used as sort of a flavor of the month and then discarded. That's true of Jane Campion. It's true of Sofia Coppola. It's true of... Uh, Dee Reese, it's true of um, uh, Catherine Bigelow. Did I say her already? They they judged her on um, and you know they they get they fall in love for a season and then they're gone and then they're never given a second chance. You're right yeah. about that and that's true, but it doesn't matter because you still can't call a bad movie a masterpiece and expect right. that to work out well for that person. You know, sooner or later it's a house of cards, and if you don't learn the lessons from failure, you can never become a better artist you know Greta Gerwig's never going to have a problem making movies never she's so beloved mm-hmm. and you know she got a, a much easier ride than a lot of other women did that that was the thing that I thought was astonishing was she, you know they rolled out the red carpet for her she got so much press she was you know she was like mentored by Steven Spielberg you know like that that movie mm-hmm. did not suffer from attention or status or anything it, she had everything at her disposal but the only thing she didn't have was one person to tell her the truth and say, you know what, dude, nice try, but we got to get back in the editing room and fix this. This is terrible. But it didn't matter mm. because $100 million, you know, lots of acclaim, and she'll never learn the lesson, mm. you know. But. Yeah, and, and you, I mean, I'm sure maybe it looked good on paper. I mean, it was written that way. In the screenplay, it was definitely laid out and mapped out the way that that's the way she wanted the movie to be. But when you see that when it, the, the pieces have come together on screen, that it's not working, it may be hard to even go back and, and fix it in editing because the, those pieces have already been filmed that way. Yeah. And you can't just, so, just suddenly decide to put everything back in chronological order if you've shot it specifically to not be in chronological order. That's even going to be maybe more of a mess. I feel feel bad for the editors of that movie that they had to try to figure out how to try to make that vision work when the vision itself was... But they have to. Like Even, even yeah. uh, Tarantino does it in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. People say, oh, he messes with the time. He does, but he, he gives you signals that tell you right. where you are, yeah. you know, and he, that's what, yeah, we got that. We got that argument a lot. Well, how can you be bothered by the, by the, by the, uh, 
mix up by the by the sc- scrambling of this chrono- chronology when you're able when it's okay with you when Scorsese or Tarantino do it. Well, the difference is they know how to do it. They exactly. know how to do it in a way that you can f- follow it better. You, you know? can tell if you, a movie not works that, or yeah. if it doesn't. It's yeah. pretty obvious. Yeah. And and all she had to do, she could have like slowed it down a little bit. And she could have, I mean, if she wanted to, she could have put date markers, you know, or at least said something like now yeah. and then or anything. Well, yeah, to, you know. she did it once or twice. She did say something like seven years earlier or seven years later or something. And I know this has been a great podcast so far. I think it's one of our best. And we're probably right now alienating a lot of listeners who well, really I, I think saw that, that, it and that, really have no problem at all with Little Women. I know. They have and, no but problem. But that must have been and added like, in. That was added yeah. in, that seven years thing, I think, after the screening that I saw. I think they did yeah. try to probably clarify it a little bit so maybe I now I didn't see the finished version mm, where they added mm-hmm. in that time because that definitely wasn't there when I saw it right and so I don't I just want to make clear to the to the listeners it's not like we were like lost and and and, and totally confused by the movie we were able to figure out what was going on. But again, like I say, I just couldn't see the, the point of doing that. I didn't see that it added anything to the story to juxtapose those those timelines in that in that way especially what it reminded me of was like seeing like a like a twilight movie like at the third movie in a series and so if you sat down and you watched that um or harry potter any of these movies if you already know the books and you know the story really well you're you're know exactly what's going on they're not going to pander to you by explaining stuff you know Uh and if you know the story and you know and you're in that world you're going to love it every part of it but if you have no idea what's going on you're just going to be sitting there watching it and that's for me what it was i'm not all that familiar with the little women's story i know the basics you know and she dies and this and that i know all that stuff and the guy and the you know but um but like it just it it was a uh it was it was not a film for people who didn't really know the book really well and and or people who just love to watch something really pretty you know that people were dazzled by how beautiful it was you know and that was enough for a lot of people and the mm-hmm. the thing that broke my heart the most about that is the low standards that i think that they have for women and that that to them that's a great movie because in their mind they're thinking you know a woman directed it and she can't do any better than that you know that was what yeah. I felt, and that, that's what yeah. bothered me. Yeah, that, I do think some people do feel that way. And, you know, if, I mean, I don't want to beat a, head, a dead horse, but, I mean, a lot of, another problem with the scrambling the timeline, it was bad enough to cast a 25-year-old actress <laughs> as a 12-year-old. But then when you make her 12 years old in one scene and then another scene, she seemed like to me that she was 40 mm-hmm. already. She was acting so much more mature than Timothy Chalamet, who never seemed to age a day. And throughout right. the entire movie, he was always 16 years old. It didn't. It was just more so, uh, not confusing, but just disconcerting. Well, you know? the the Oscar-winning costume designer told us backstage that the timeline was dictated by the costumes. That there are two separate color patterns for mm. each timeline in the costume. That yeah, that's how you were supposed that. to visually tell the difference. I think if I liked the movie better, I would give it a second go just to see if it made any more sense to me. But like. It was other problems, too. Like, why is Timothy Chalamet with Emma Watson in that one scene for no apparent reason? And then he's over there with uh, with, with Amy in Paris, and then it's flipping back to the modern day. I mean, I think eventually I kind of got right. what she was trying to do. Well, that's a... 
Uh, well, that's know? a problem that I have with the original story that was written in 1869 or whatever. It just makes him look like he'll fuck anybody as that's... long as they're a March sister. He doesn't mm-hmm. care which one necessarily. Just give me any March sister and I'll take her. And there was Anyone no that character. Will, will take... There was no yeah, character right. <laughs> there. So when he chooses Amy there's and, and he refuses Joe, there's nothing going on there. It's a complete... Yeah. He, was a, uh, he was a cipher, I thought, his character. And there was nothing there. And the only interesting thing about it to me was Joe, the character. I'll admit I liked her. Um, portrayal of that character and I was I you know now that I see that people do think that she like Jalal was telling us he thought that Louisa May Alcott was a lesbian I don't know if this is true it's just what he told me and that Mm. he very very much thought that her character was portrayed as as gay in the movie and I thought that it was heading in that direction and I thought wow that's amazing but then I thought she pulled back from it you know. Yeah, that would have been interesting, and I felt the same thing. I felt it, and I thought that's where the movie was going. I thought, wow, this is going to be daring, but then it wasn't because it, it wasn't. just wasn't daring because she just fell back on the same thing, and she kind of tries to use the excuses like, well, that's what Louisa May Alcott herself did, is she had to make her story acceptable to the times, but, but Greta Gerwig has no obligation to make the story acceptable to, not, to, 2000, to 21st century audiences. Yeah. But so, but uh, again, the main thing about the, one of my main problems with the with the novel itself, for the novelette, and it was really not never much of a novel, is that um, um, Timothy Chalamet's character—I can't think of his name right now—that uh, uh, he he just jumped from one sister to the other. One of them dumped him, so he just goes to another sister. Who does that? That's weird. You know, that's kind of creepy in a way. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> I agree with you totally. I agree. Um, I think that uh, so it's 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 late, right? I think we got to kind of close this thing down. Mm. Um, I uh, how can we how can we um, what can we say? What what are some last things to say here, Clarence? Do you have anything more to say about? No, I just I I would love to close what I've said with, you know, it was a really. Like, I don't know that I'll ever top this year in terms of if I ever do this again, if I'm ever given the chance to do it again, I don't think it'll ever top this because it has been such a tremendous, exciting year. I mean, boy, what what a way for the first Golden Globes and Oscars that I've ever covered for it to be a historic year when mm. a foreign language film or a film not in the English language wins Best Picture. Like, I, I don't think mm. I'll ever top. And maybe I will. And if, and if I do, that's amazing. But I don't think I'll ever top just the energy and excitement around all of the events I was at, all of the, the buzz and the, the, you know, the sort of the, the, the tangential feeling in the air or the, the tangible feeling in the air rather that, um, you know, something big was going to happen. Yeah. Um, I don't think that that's ever, I've been going for years and the only year that I think probably matched it was moonlight, but I wasn't there for that. So I didn't feel that surprise in the air. And plus it, they got kind of screwed because they weren't announced as the winner. But um, but I was telling um, I was telling Chris this is when you're inside the theater, you know, every time they mention a movie, you can hear the applause. Right. Well, I was sitting really mm. close to the 1917 people. So every time they they announced 1917, I heard this huge applause and I was thinking, OK, so this is definitely going to win. And I didn't hear a lot of applause for Parasite. It was weird. Like I just didn't hear it. And I was like, OK, that's interesting. And then the guy next to me noticed the same thing. But then when after he won director, there's a part when you're watching I mean, this is this is the exciting thing about going to the Oscars is that, you know, you're doing it. They're doing a TV show. So 
the lights come up and they film it. And then when they're announcing the clips, the lights all go down, right? And it's very, mm -hmm. very dark in the theater and all you can see are the clips of the movies. And so in the last scene where they were going through the titles and every, and, and every time people do the same things in the theater, they clap every time they mention the titles of movies. But when Parasite came, I think it was the last title on the thing, the sound of the applause in that room, I've never heard anything like that in all the huh. years I've been going. Uh, never. It was, a, it was like a wave. It was like an earthquake. It was the loudest applause. And, and people, because it goes, title, 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 and then it goes, Parasite. And the whole room just erupted. And I was like, whoa, okay. But by then, everybody knew it was going to win Best Picture because he won Best Director, and there was no way it was going to lose. So, mm. and then she announced it and yeah, that I've never felt anything like that for sure at the Academy. Never. It's never been organic. You know, it's mm -hmm. always kind of a little bit like, you know, what's going to happen, you know, that's what I have said before that. I mean, since I'm not that hung up on being right about my predictions, I, I am, I'm excited by anything that happens. that's unpredictable. That, that makes the night fun for me. And I thought this was going to be one of the most boring Oscar nights ever since we knew all, we knew for sure all the actors, who was going to win. We knew that yeah. months ago. And so that was the most boring part of it. And I actually, when he, when he, um, after, when he missed, um, editing and production design for Parasite, I thought, well, okay, then that's going to be it. He's yeah, just going to win screenplay. And, that's and, what I thought. Yeah. Too, and yeah. I thought, and, and I was a little bit let down that he's going to only walk away with two Oscars, but I thought that's still pretty dang good. That's what yeah. Frederico, Fred, Fred, uh, Federico Fellini did with four, eight and a half. He was nominated for five or six Oscars and only, one best um, foreign language film and best screenplay, which is pretty good to be doing the same as eight and a half, you know? Yeah. And so I thought, okay, that's acceptable. But the whole tide turned, everything turned and the whole mood changed when he won best director. And then it was like, everybody woke up, right? And, yes, exactly. And I've never, yeah. I've never witnessed anything like that. And it was a combination of, you know, wow, this is neat. And also that sick feeling I get in my stomach when I'm wrong. And I hate that because I've been doing this long enough, obviously, to know. But, you know, it's it's better when you're there alive than when you're sitting at home. It's even worse. And your heart is pounding in your throat. And mm. I don't know why I care so much. Anyway, Clarence, <laughs> I'm sorry we kept you on so long in that. Um, but your stories were fantastic. Your stories I'm so were glad fantastic. that you had a chance to tell us about more of the back behind the scenes stuff. And th not only were the stories interesting but they were just downright riveting i mean some of the stuff you experienced was just so dramatic and unexpected it's like uh it's like it's like parasite you never know what's going to happen next you never know what's going to happen to clarence next he can uh, turn the corner and a whole new drama opens up no it was so amazing to follow you on that i was so like kind of proud of you that you were so yeah. you know that you just dove right in and went with it and, and covered it you know and you were there and you went to these crazy parties you know um it's nuts man and you well, represented I, represented the site so well. I mean, I would be the I would dive right in, but I would make an absolute fool of myself, and I would be it would be a, such a spectacle. It would be like I would be trending the next day. Is like a oh, yeah. you mean be, like when I douse Karina Longworth with wine? Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah, that would be me all night long. I would be doing things like that, just uh, like a, like a domino effect. But no, well, I do did. have to you say I had a um, I had a great mentor in jazz. She she definitely put me under her wing through this stuff, made sure I knew what I was doing and I was in the right place at the right time for yeah. all these things that I've never, you know, you know, 44 year old man. So I can I can figure out my way. But this is just a completely different world for me. And, and it right. was invaluable to have both. Um, you know, to have everybody sort of give me advice, both you, Sasha, and and Jazz, and and others, yeah. um, to uh, to to 
to help me through it. So yeah, no, that's the thing about jazz. She knows the parties. She knows the right people. Like she, she knows that stuff. She's amazing that way. I could never, ever in a million years be like that. And she's so good at it. So she's so good at it. And she's so casual about it that it Mm -hmm. puts you at ease because she's so comfortable with it. She makes you comfortable and I'm not even there. So I'm just saying this just vicariously, but that's the sense I get. She has this. It's just really unfortunate that she's so tiny and she can navigate through these parties so easily. And I'm so big. (laughs) I can't. She is tiny though. She's a tiny. I'm looking forward to the Oscar history thing again. It's going to be so fun. That's going to be fun. All right, cutie pies. You you have a good night. Okay. Okay. Love you all. Love you too. Good night. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of All This in the Oscars 2. Please check out our new addition to our podcast, which is going through the Oscar years. We're starting back in the 1930s, and we'll be doing that as soon as possible. And if you like the podcast, please consider leaving a review. And you can find all the rest of our writing on awardsdaily.com.